This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. But he has, but he has so much to gain and has such a material motive for putting me in a position I'm in. We'll never let the true facts come of our boards to the, to the world. And I want you to be able to give me the ability to whisper into the hearts of mankind. And uh, who was the grotto leader? Don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Now these people are in very high position, Jack. Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode 119. I am your co-host, Dimitri. I'm Khalid. And today, we're going to tackle like a very <laughs> complex uh, topic from the not-too-distant history, but it's one that uh, it surprised me, actually, that like a lot of people don't even remember from just 10 years ago, the year of our, you know, satanic demiurge, 2012. <laughs> and um, yes. I'm actually surprised, like, We've been saying so much lately that, like, oh, yeah, we've had this one on the docket since day one. We've always wanted to do this episode, but actually not so much. This popped up relatively recently, and yeah, right. it even popped well, up I independently. Had said, like, well, yeah, I had said, like, we conied Aquino when we were talking about, or sorry, Aquino. I'm going back to calling him Aquino. When we were talking about, you know, the podcast one day, like, at the end of the year. Um, uh-huh. Or, yeah. At, like, yeah, I guess it was, like, during tax season. Um, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. were talking about, you know, things that, good things that would come with the podcast. And I was like, you know, yeah, Aquino, like, people, you know, we conied him, like, kind of referencing it. Uh, but then, like, I guess... We made him famous. Yeah, we made him. But then, like, I guess in the aftermath of that, like, we were, like, you know, talking about it and we realized, like, people don't really remember this, like, Coney 2012, like, you know, it, itself, you know. No, uh, no. A lot of people don't. Even millennials who were kind of the target audience of Coney 2012, I talked to a few and were like, wait, what was that? Or they have, like, yeah. the vaguest memory of it. Right, which is crazy. It because, is crazy. Yeah. Like, I think it was you were saying it was the most popular like viral video at the time. Like yes. it was yeah. It was extremely yeah. popular. Well yeah, today um, I mean we're going to get into all facets of Coney 2012, but one big aspect of it is the kind of uh internet or memetic history aspect of Coney 2012 because you're right. It was the in March 2012 when it debuted on YouTube. It in a matter of like several days, it became the most watched YouTube video of all time with, I think over, you know, I think these numbers don't sound so big today, but I think they got over a hundred million views in like 72 hours or something for this 30 minute film 
and it was like important too. It wasn't like badger, badger, mushroom, or like what does the fox say or whatever. It was or like you know, this is yeah. politically <laughs> important, you know, yeah, or something like that, right? Yeah, this was a big um, deal. This got picked up immediately by the press, and it led to this like storm of media coverage. And we'll talk shortly about like how it started and how it ended up. But you know, I just looked up. For some reason, well, because this is the 10-year anniversary of Coney 2012, there's been some retrospectives on it. And I guess YouGov, <laughs> uh, YouGov, the polling company, did a poll just in the last month or two about memory of Coney 2012 with U.S. adults. And they asked, how much, if anything, do you remember hearing about a 2012 viral online video produced by Invisible Children about an African warlord named Joseph Coney who kidnaps children into his militant army? And... 65% of respondents remembered nothing at all. 25% remembered a little and 10% remembered a lot. So yeah, I mean, two thirds of the country has kind of, it's gone right down the memory hole, but it, for a minute there, if you were online, especially if you were like a pretty online millennial who was on things like Facebook or Twitter or Reddit, God forbid in 2012, as I think I was still on Reddit and Facebook, you know, back then. I think 2012 was the last year before I think I defected from Facebook and just couldn't take it mm. anymore. And Coney 2012, honestly, was like <laughs> one of the precipitating factors of that. I remember like po like rage posting about Coney 2012, like a couple days after it came out. I I guess I'm I'm mildly proud to say that I was not psyoped by it, and instead I was like deeply triggered, as were like. Uh, millions of people on particularly on the African continent you know for yeah. its uh alleged there was immediately like, a lot of backlash like there to was it, be, for a good reason it yeah there's very I rewatched it like you know in preparation for this episode and mm -hmm. yeah at the time it was galling but I feel like in retrospect like even more so I mean it's like the epitome oh. of like white boy goes to Africa, like colonialist sort of white savior complex, like the apotheosis uh, of yeah. fucking white boy goes to Africa. Like there, there, it's like the room of white go white boy goes to Africa. It's almost like yeah. a, this savant, like autorist, narcissistic vision of this guy, Jason Russell, who stars, you know, basically is like kind of the head of Invisible Children. And very prominently stars in Coney 2012, along with his adorable blonde haired five year old son, Gavin, yeah. who he uses as like a chief like narrative device throughout. And a lot of people did kind of clap back against uh, this movie, like in the, the days after it was released. And then within just 10 days, <laughs> 10 uh. days and, you know, the. The pitch, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of break down. We'll probably walk through Coney 2012 in a minute to really, because there's so much shit like packed into that 30 minutes. But it was all supposed to culminate, I think, on, and I mean, come yeah, on, listeners, I am shaking. Cover I'm, the night. Cover, cover the, the night. Yeah, I'm shaking Hitler's my head birthday, right? on Hitler's like, birthday, April 20th. Yeah, which is also <laughs> the anniversary of like a massacre. Like Columbine. By, oh, 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 oh right, also Columbine, Columbine in, in and Uganda, also right? what? Yeah. An LRA uh, I massacre think so. as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, mm -hmm. on April 20th. And, you know, basically the they wanted the people watching the video to order these action kits for $30 where you get a T-shirt, some bumper stickers and a wristband and on April 20th, uh, everybody across, you know, 
pretty much the Western world, would run out and plaster the city full of Coney posters, and then the morning after, like, Coney would be famous, etc. Yes, the only- Adiac Massacre of April 20th, 1995, by the way. That was the one. Uh, okay. Yeah, I wonder if that's why the they picked it. I wonder if that's Maybe, why they picked yeah, it. Maybe, yeah, but it's still kind of, like, weird. It that, is weird. Yeah. But then, like, they never even got, because I think this came out on, like, in the middle of March, in 2012 and so they were you know basically saying that you know in less than a month from now we're going to have this big global event and then blah blah and all these great things are going to happen and then we're going to catch coney and (laughs) yeah but only 10 days yeah we're going to catch him yeah put him on the front page of the new york times that's the fantasy or whatever he says but only 10 days after that the founder and figurehead of this whole movement jason russell is filmed by multiple people running through the streets of San Diego, butt naked, kind of um, almost like like snap finger snapping and voguing, and just yeah. yelling about mm-hmm. like yeah, he was random shit a little bit. Um, <laughs> he was, he was nakedly serving, and he um, <laughs> and yeah, muttering to himself about like the devil, literally the devil, yeah, yeah literally um, the devil. And was and, taken uh, in on a fifty-one fifty psychiatric yeah, slamming his hands on the ground like as hard as he could. And um, according to some people, like masturbating an ape, kind of like a monkey, yeah. like trying to smash like a like a open like an anthill or something with a rock. I don't know. That's yeah. like kind of what it was like. Uh, it um, was he went primal. He went altered yeah. states primal, like mm-hmm. caveman. And you know, th- and then this, I got the video got you know picked up by TMZ, and then just as fast as Coney twenty twelve became this like epic bacon like activism sensation it became this huge fucking joke like this big just like haha like the meme of him running around naked which at this point people already were kind of getting themselves prepped for some schadenfreude you know, mm-hmm. like based on his sort of whole affect and attitude. Yeah, I mean, he had already sort of been canceled, but this was just like, you know, I mean, it was like chef's kiss situation. Like it was too perfect. Like he like very rarely. Does, yeah. And it really like cascaded into a complete collapse of the entire thing. And like yep. when like cover the night finally happened, like no one showed up. Uh, nobody basically the whole thing just like crumbled weirdly enough like there was like you know some i mean it was kind of like overblown by invisible children you know the organization the coney 2012 organization that Mm -hmm. uh, jason russell founded but like in the like aftermath there was you know there was a little bit of like push to go like help the ugandan military like get coney even though at the time like coney had basically like hit the presence of the LRA had like more or less evaporated from Uganda and wasn't that strong in the neighboring countries either. Um, no, which no. was so, well, part of what was so bizarre about it, but I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, that was one of many critiques people made is that yes, it, the movie does not um, explain that at all because it's yes, trying which, to hype it up and like tug on your heartstrings as aggressively as possible and not get into messy specifics about anything any of the political context of like this conflict there's just there's a bad man like he tells gavin yeah we have to stop him like not kill yeah exactly like he talks to his own yeah we should talk about the thing i mean i feel like on one level like this is a phenomenon that i feel like i've observed many times where it's like a bizarre repeating pattern where like 
basically, I mean, as soon as I started listening to this, like I, you know, I, I will admit like I myself like was pretty unplugged. Like I did remember it. Like I definitely would have answered like, yes, I remember it to that polling question. But I honestly didn't even remember his breakdown until you mentioned it to me. I just remember it being like this weird cringe thing. And I didn't remember much of the documentary itself at all or what the guy was even like. And when I listened to it, like the minute I heard his voice, I was like, this guy's a failed actor. <laughs> you know who he kind of reminded me of? He reminded me of like that guy who like was like hashtag walk away, you know, from the Democrats, you know, like I used to be a liberal, like that type of thing where it's like a weird bid I for attention. I vaguely so, like, remember that guy. Yeah, but... I don't know, maybe. But anyway, it was a similar kind of like failed actor, like dynamic. I mean, that guy was openly gay. I mean, I'm not saying this guy's gay. Maybe he just has that. uh Anyway, he's like a theater kid. We'll obviously. get into that. Yeah, he's not just a failed um, actor. He is a like intergenerational yes. theater kid. And he's, not only that, an intergenerational evangelical Christian theater kid, which, yes. you know, we'll, we'll probably delve deeper into like, that background because it is relevant. I think. Yeah, I feel like that's him. the like this is, you know, on one level, like on the surface level, this is like that recurring phenomenon that I've seen like many times where like a theater kid type like a church choir type uh who you know maybe is like a bit out of place or uh for whatever reason uh, you know uh, take them at their word about like uh anything in terms of the uh that dimension of certain things but like you know what i mean like but uh they go to africa like to try to find their place like in their religion and then like they come back like really inspired with some kind of project that's like all about them something uh, there is this mu another musical like he repeatedly would say that after he was done doing this he wanted to do like a hollywood musical i remember there was another thing like that bit. was on on broadway a while ago like uh called witness uganda literally like, witness uganda and it was a similar story where like a dude i mean he was openly gay but like this dude you know went to uganda and like you know met some kids there that he really wanted to help i mean it was less uh, grandiose and like stopping Coney but it was still the same type of thing where it's like this is like I'm gonna be altruistic but I'm going to like you know, but really it's just a vehicle for their own like need to be a you know like a star like you know to be on yeah. stage like uh, but yes that's like the surface level but there's also something like deeply sus about it where it like justifies like uh u.s intervention in africa in Quite ways literally. that are like are totally tangential to like the nebulous goal of like quote-unquote stopping coney mm -hmm. and it's linked into something that goes back actually like a long time uh far before like 2012 like the you know u.s geopolitical interest in that area of Africa, basically from the like the end of the Cold War, because yeah. it's next to Sudan, you know, it's like, eh. and that kind of dovetails with the evangelical missionary interest there, you know. But oh, for anyway, sure. so for sure, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll kind of get into that some of the the deeper lore about like Ugandan geopolitics and stuff, which is like none of which is even like so much as hinted at in any of the invisible no, children. I mean, it wouldn't be to their advantage to do so at all. No, it, yeah. it wouldn't. And there's actually a really interesting, complicated sort of story there, you know, with their longtime president. I mean, even, you know, like Idi Amin obviously was uh, in control of the country in the seventies and yeah. was like sort of a U.S. ally, but then became like a, a Qaddafi ally and, there, this is a huge zone of contestation for the kind of, uh, you know, the more reactionary wings of, you know, the, like the OAU and mm -hmm. the sort of uh, Nkrumahist combating neocolonialism, like socialist strains, mm -hmm. you know, going on in the continent at the time. 
And it all ties in like actually in a lot of ways with kind of like Jason Russell's whole uh, subliminal jihad, but especially with the longtime president now, Yoweri Museveni, mm-hmm. who has gone had an interesting career to say the least. But yes. uh, yeah, also the thing, yeah, maybe we'll get to it at the end, but the fact that like justifying U.S. military intervention, that was something that I had a kind of a sus inkling of back in 2012, that this felt very yes. strange and like mm-hmm. convenient for the U.S. military yeah, because what sure. was getting started around that time under, you know, first term Obama was AFRICOM. You know, right, the U.S. Exactly. was stepping up their military, particularly their like special operations footprint mm-hmm. uh, all over Africa, you know, mostly under the guise of combating Islamic terrorism, yes. something that we still see going on today. It's only expanded in mm-hmm. the last like 10 years. But I forgot that like the explicit goal that is outlined in Coney 2012 <laughs> is to like get U.S. special forces sent to like hunt down Coney. Exactly. That's really like they were, the mechanism of action here. Yeah, it was so funny like seeing them saying like, uh, what, what did they say? They were like, because there's no actual like material like U.S. interest to like, you know, intervene mm-hmm. militarily there like or something like that. I mean, obviously... It's absurd because it's coming from people who believed at the time that there was like an active U.S. military interest. I mean, it's weird because there was it was 2012. So there was kind of like the sentiment was sort of shifting away from that. Like, you know, the idea that we should be like interventionists in the world. But I mean, a well, lot of FOPO people were still like opposed. But I mean, it's like bizarre that but they were like, no, like we will not stand for it. Like you must invade Uganda. Well, that, like, that's actually interesting because you know. he I think he brings it up also. in I don't know if you watched it, but Coney 2012 part two beyond famous. Which oh, I, I think I, I, I didn't think he released that, that no. like. It might have even been like a week after the first Coney movie dropped. He released this second one that is kind of low key, like it's responding to some of the criticism that they've kind of mm-hmm. gotten and stuff. But then like at one point, there's like this slick infographic that is like <laughs> people say we shouldn't do anything. But the U.N. has ratified a concept called responsibility to protect, which <laughs> is completely awesome. And we should invoke it to like go. Oh <laughs> this is like, God. oh, my God, this is like some psycho Samantha Power, like lib imperialism based Basically going great. on which you, like you would see it blossom in like in libya in syria and in other places like throughout the rest of the obama administration but it's like he's just invoking this very yeah this like r2p kind of susan rice like samantha power kind of neoliberal imperialism kind of thing and really also you're right though it was kind of a weird interregnum in the first obama term because there was this sense that like we had defeated the bad man, you know, or the bad men, Bush and Cheney. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we were kind of like like pulling out of Iraq and we it and we seemed got like bin Laden. We so, got bin Laden. Yeah. This came out, yeah. you know, right we after got him. we yeah, got we him. Stopped him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and but you had the like there's all these people that pop up in it that are kind of like almost like celebrity kind of NGO activist types, like guys like John Prendergast and I don't think actually, I don't know if Sean Penn pops up uh, in the the original Coney. Maybe he pops up in the part two. And people like Angelina Jolie and like George yeah. Clooney and like this new wave of cool like A-list Hollywood celebrities that right around this time, I think it was actually Trevor Nielsen, I want to say, who more recently was like, fun, he was bundling money with like Eileen Getty and like one of <laughs> RFK's kids 
to like give to Extinction Rebellion in 2019. And he had uh-huh. also built this like threat detection company for like Wall Street that was like founded with a CIA officer. And he was like, I think the director of special projects for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> and I okay. think even before that, there was a big New Yorker article about him. I think he was like a pioneer in approaching really big A-list celebrities around like 2008, 2009, 2010, people like Kobe Bryant, George Clooney, Leonardo DiCaprio, Angelina Jolie, and getting them to like really hype up these like pet celebrity causes and kind of using it to like boost their clout and like career and all this other stuff. But I remember that New Yorker article was very critical that like, for example, like Kobe Bryant, you know, RIP, like didn't actually... I think he he was supposed to give a ton of money to like a homeless shelter and he just sort of like never did and was like, eh, like, and Mm -hmm. so they made these big promises that, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you did see a few of these people, particularly George Clooney, get involved in all kinds of weird sus shit with all kinds Mm -hmm. of shady people around like particularly Darfur, which, you know, borders Uganda, right? Yeah, exactly. Basically the same situation yeah save darfur save darfur like which is weird because like that was also the headquarters kind of of the people who were like imperiling darfur so it wasn't really like i guess in a and way wasn't darfur that was like Coney... under threat, but it was still a weird slogan kind of and, like stop coney like well just, and like, also not really yeah at this time wasn't like coney allegedly hiding out in darfur well you know it kind of has to do very with, unclear he was i feel like you know he was connected with the sudan and i think that like the sudanese government did in some way like there's a deep like uh you know animus between uganda and the sudan like in many ways not i mean not all ugandans not all sudanese but like you know there you don't tend to like each other so and there's you know a history of, of conflict between mm-hmm. them you know uh definitely and, the like, sort of internal yeah and the internal like rebellious groups are often like associated with either by implication like they're either implied to be associated with or believed to be or they actually are associated with like you know the governments of the other so the lra i think was kind of supported by uh the government of sudan but i mean it's also like a weird thing where like south sudan like the break off of, of south sudan was like a big project for like the obama administration and i feel like that was tied to like some of this interest like in uganda that was around 2012 but also like preceded and uh succeeded it i yeah it's uh it's weird but yeah and i think that you like the i mean there was even like that famous picture that was part you know emerged in the initial backlash where you had like jason russell posing with like bazookas with like the spla which was like you know the south sudanese rebel group Um, yeah yeah no absolutely and he he did get yeah you know like it's never a good idea uh you know if anyone wants to go be an american war tourist in a foreign country not always a good idea to pose with a cool gun you know with a bunch of based rebels you know who are fighting bad guys um it might come back to bite Um, you later on might it might not age well yeah i mean that's the thing like their approach was like straight up like even though they would kind of do this like christian thing of like we don't want to shoot him we don't want to kill him we want to stop him which is like hilarious because like everything that materially they wanted to do was to support like an incredibly like corrupt government that was implicated in basically every single human rights abuse that they could charge Coney with, which they did like, you know, which they totally could. And that he is a hundred percent guilty of like, but that also basically applied to the Ugandan government. And they basically provided them with logistical support to like go after and like seek kind of like vengeance against 
you know, this guy, but also, like, his army, which was mostly comprised of, like, captive children. So, like, yeah, yeah. when you have, like, a convenient boogeyman like Bin Laden or, like, ISIS or Coney, you mm-hmm. know, it it's great, you know, like, everything's justified. Like, I think we can agree, you know, they're pretty bad guys. But, like, <laughs> around them, like, when you're, like, you know, attacking them or, like, you're helping the drones, you know, come after them, like, it's going to be the captive kids who die, you yep. know? So, like, practically, yep. sem- you know, with any I, of these uh, groups. It's like so no one's contradicting it is like a bleh bleh zombie, you know, there's not like a video game. Yes. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I think I should just mention because th- it was actually weird. So I I had the strange distinction of being a little bit aware of this group before Coney 2012 came out. And I don't know if I told you about this before, but in I think around the end of college, I was taking this like documentary filmmaking class. And, you know, uh, my professor would screen movies all the time. And one week she screened this movie that was like, oh yeah, these guys are like young film school students who like went to Africa <laughs> and they ended up like going to Uganda and, and you know, discovered this whole world of like child soldiers. So she screened for us Invisible Children, The Rough oh Cut. Oh my God, Which wow. is the first film, this would have been in like maybe 2009. So I guess Damn. at the time, like it wasn't like released in theaters, but they were touring the country for several years. I think they made it, They went to Uganda in like 2003, 2004, and then they came back to America and they edited kind of this rough cut, like, I don't know, hour long documentary, Um, a lot of which a lot of the footage is reused in Coney 2012. But that was really the the impetus for this whole like movement. So at at the time, I, I think the way the movie was introduced to me. I didn't even realize that this was like an NGO. I just thought yeah. like the movie was called Invisible Children and they made a documentary right. and they're filmmakers like that mm-hmm. simple as. And I remember watching it actually and being like, oh, wow, this is this is like pretty good and kind of interesting. And it, it didn't like I mean, I think going back and looking at it now, you would see all the same kind of like manipulative, exploitative like whitewashed like kind of bullshit that you would see in Coney 2012 but it, mm. but the movie wasn't necessarily trying to get you to do anything or it was telling a story about this horrible phenomenon of child soldiers and the civil war thing and it didn't even i think focus like so much on like Coney himself it was more just about what the victims had gone through. So in that sense, you know, people like Jacob, who's like kind of held up as like my best friend, you know, mm-hmm. who he interviews, uh, you know, back then and then uses like a main character in Coney 2012. Right. And so, you know, I watched it and then it just kind of like slipped out of my mind. And I never heard about Invisible Children after that. And then suddenly, like several years later, like, boom, Coney 2012 comes out. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I remember these motherfuckers. Like, these guys like they made that movie and now they turned it into like an NGO movement. And I feel like by 2012, I had also, I I think of maybe around the time I first watched invisible children was the first time I'd sort of uh, discovered a lot of the like Liberia stuff, um, Mm -hmm. which I kind of uh, researched, you know, like years ago. And I would say that I've learned way more in like subsequent years, but I think even by 2012, I was familiar enough. I was I was familiar enough with some of the shit that had gone on in Liberia and Sierra Leone, like in the nineties, which had a huge use of child soldiers and these like charismatic warlords and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And you know, people like Charles Taylor, et cetera. And I knew about like the 
extreme, like complicated nature of all of these conflicts. And that often picking one group as like, these are the good guys. And like, yes. these guys are evil. It, it really doesn't hold up to scrutiny. And oftentimes mm -hmm. I had even begun yeah. to suss out by that point that sometimes there, there seem to be some like ulterior motives from like Western organizations and governments to yes. pick the who were the good guys and the bad guys and basically <laughs> wa like whitewash the crimes of one and then totally demonize the other and basically depending on whatever they wanted to get out of it whatever resources right. they wanted to extract or whatever mm -hmm. government they wanted to uh, you know overthrow and things like that so when i saw this like very naive like christian theater could movie come out talking about and i don't think I you know I didn't know anything about Coney beyond seeing that Invisible Children rough cut, but I could just mm -hmm. tell right away that like oh no like this is this is some bad shit like mm -hmm. this is and I also remember like being on social media and watching people get psyoped by it like in real time like everybody <laughs> yeah. it was some real like post a black square on Instagram kind of energy yeah, if you know what I'm definitely. saying. Mm -hmm. It's still with us today, but I think this was really like a prototypical, this is a formative moment in the history of kind of like political mimetic warfare on social media and like weaponizing the internet as like this sentiment machine, like this affect machine to like get mm -hmm. people to support something that they really don't understand because it's been boiled down to basically a meme. You know, even though it's a 30 minute film, it's not spending 30 minutes like, breaking things down for you so much is just giving you it's like a series of flashy meme factoids that are like very cleverly crafted to make you want to do like take action you know basically yeah. would do what they want to do and support that so i was just watching like people that i knew like just get took by it that's why they got like rage posted on facebook it was like this is <laughs> stupid you know but it was just like it, it, it was like disturbing to me it was like disturbing that like so many people were just like wow like coney 2012 yeah and you know i guess it was also for people that are maybe confused like the the conceit i mean we'll get into the film i think just in a sec but the conceit of the film is that you know 2012 is an election year and with all this partisanship going on, you know, all agree. these yeah. all this politics going on that, you know, uh, there are so many things we can't agree on. But one thing both the left and the right can agree on is that Coney needs to go. And so that was the idea is like we're going to catch this is the campaign to catch Coney in 2012 with like a based like neoliberal neocon, like bipartisan yeah. alliance of people. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, and you know, they'll cover the night and blah, blah, blah. He also funnily says in the very beginning, like this video will like self-destruct on like December yeah. 31st, 2012. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, still yeah there. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Word? But okay. okay. So maybe we should uh, now, you know, we've riffed for a half hour. Maybe we should start walking through the experience. It's still up, by the way. You know, that, yeah, that's why we laugh. Like it's um, still there. And <laughs> Coney part two. Um, they're they're both there. And yeah, you can watch it. But I think, yeah, if we could walk through, because I think as a piece of propaganda, it's kind of, it is fascinating. And yeah, maybe we should give the devil his due for uh, kind of. I mean, you know. it worked for like a time. Um, it, it took a second for like all the people who actually like had knowledge of the situation to like be like, wait a minute, like you just completely st like steamrolled all nuance out of this. Uh, and this is like sus as hell for mm -hmm. like both like cultural or like uh yeah like 
you know, representational reasons. representational. Yeah, exactly. Like, and but also, also political reasons. Yeah, also political reasons. Yeah. Right now, there are more people on Facebook than there were on the planet 200 years ago. Humanity's greatest desire is to belong and connect. And now we see each other. We hear each other. Grandpa, I love you. I love you. Why well, I, well, I want to take a picture? We share what we love, and it reminds us what we all have in common. Dug out alive and well after seven and a half days. If you believe in yourself, you will know how to ride a bike. Walk and walk. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? Oh, it's exciting. And this connection is changing the way the world works. Governments are trying to keep up. Uh, no, we can't test the freedom. And older generations are concerned. Many people are very concerned about tomorrow. They could get worse next year. The game has new rules. The next 27 minutes are an experiment. But in order for it to work, you have to pay attention. So it opens kind of uh, almost like a, a feeder kid Josh Harrisy kind of vibe of, you know, this like yeah. shot of the globe. And he opens by saying it shows you like, yeah, all these it's talking about our connectivity. There, yeah. there are now more people on Facebook today than than were alive on the earth like 200 years ago. Oh my God. And we're all connected. And it does this very flashy montage of people sharing like cat videos and like cute little kids right you got like to see some of the old shit. viral hits from like 2012 that i had totally forgotten about like that one where you know woman tries hearing implant for the first time you know like yeah yeah that. exactly I was like, oh yeah i vaguely remember that yeah god um, i really yeah it does take you through it's quite like a time a, capsule it, it yeah. really is a time capsule of like 2012 vibes yeah and, for sure yes exactly <sighs> like it, it was triggering as a millennial vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. So yeah. So he starts off at like, you know, there's more people on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. We're connected more than ever. And like, we share things and old politicians are like afraid. This is still also in like naive Arab spring kind of. Yeah. Uh, they era. showed pics of like Tahir square, which is just like, oof, you know, uh -huh. because yeah, all the people <laughs> who were sponsoring this, like, probably would have hated like Morsi and been like totally behind like his being deposed like but anyway yeah well yeah uh, and what, Mubarak, well, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so then he says you know the following 30 minutes are an experiment but for it to work you're gonna have to pay close attention and you know then the then we're off basically to you know the this like Coney experience and well actually we're not really off because then he cuts to the birth of his son Gavin <laughs> right it's all about his son Gavin. okay yeah yeah so um, we're yeah it's just like Gavin is like a miracle and like yeah he, his life he is totally random ninja, yeah you know <laughs> jumping around yeah exactly mm -hmm. and you know for it to be fair Gavin is very cute um Gavin's cute yeah he's very adorable Aryan child 
And yeah, I also, I, I forgot about that app that would like, uh, this is actually very ironic and kind of layered, but remember that app where it would like superimpose a CGI like missile strike onto whatever you did? Like there's a shot I of it in here. I do not remember that. This is like an uh, early iPhone app that weird. had like a brief popularity, but it's almost like, yeah, like you superimpose like a drone strike. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so cool. Yeah. You yeah. know, nothing wrong with your iPhones. Wow, and they're rubbing it in our faces, folks. They are rubbing uh, so yeah he he gives a little background that probably was just like a side project of people who were developing a real drone strike app (laughs) like that they were you know like we can make a little bit of side money off this yeah Um, definitely definitely so you know he uses gavin as like the vehicle to like bring us into this story and says you know like that gavin yeah he talks about he's like gavin you know do you know what daddy does for a living and gavin's like you work in africa and you fight the bad man. And he's like, do you know who the bad man is? And he's like, Star Wars people. And he's like, no, <laughs> Gavin, it's not Star Wars people. It's this man, Joseph Coney. Do you know who he is? Um, oh, the, the moment where he, so he puts him in like a conference room and he's he's talking to him. <laughs> and with the moment that he whips out, like, do you want to know who the bad man is? And then just like whips out a huge photo of this like dark skinned African man. It's like, oh, that did not Yeah, it well. almost is like, it's, yeah, it's awkward because <laughs> it almost seems like Gavin is like learning what, like to be racist because he's like, that's <laughs> the bad, that's what bad men look like. Oh, I almost, <laughs> yeah, breathe, I almost like, breathe like a huge sigh of relief when like immediately afterwards he yeah, pulls he out a picture showed. of Jacob. Yeah, who's also who's like Ugandan adopted, and is Ugandan, like Jacob is an know, angel project. and Jacob you know is a little yeah. boy just like you I'm like oh thank god you almost yeah, accidentally exactly. like psyoped him into being a racist yeah you kind like, of could hear the wheels you could kind of see the wheels turning his head like you know because I mean pr- since prior to that he had been like oh you know bad guys look like stormtroopers from Star Wars or whatever like that's what a bad guy is like it's yeah. kind of yeah it was an awkward moment Ooh, but anyway, teach your kids yeah. right but yeah so he, yeah. he pulls out you know and he explains to him you know very explain like I'm literally explain like I'm five this is the most yeah. reddit fucking movie of all time uh he you know says well like Jacob was like a little boy and like Joseph Coney kidnaps boys like jacob and then makes them do bad things and he's like but they won't do the bad things right he's like well no joseph coney forces him and he's like, oh like you should probably stop him or something <laughs> like that and, yes, and then we're jumping right. off to like uh, you know his the, the original film when he first meets jacob and he's very like struck by you know they showed this like admittedly very you know tragic like heart-wrenching footage of jacob talking about how he would rather die than continue to have to live under the threat of you know coney who was already kidnapped by and like watched his brother be murdered and all these things and i guess he added something in that some people kind of take issue with that wasn't in the original invisible children movie where after you know jacob says all this and then breaks down crying you hear jason russell off camera say it's okay. It's okay. We're going to catch him. We're going to catch him. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of people are like, what the fuck? Like, why would you, but first of all, like, I get why you would say that maybe in the moment, but like, why would you yeah. put that in? Like as, uh, okay. yeah. but then he was like, because that's what we did. Like, anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, you know, okay. He decides that I'm going to make, and then it cuts to like this very, uh, like <laughs> montage, millennial montage, like him wearing one of those little, like, 
little hacky sack hats. Like, the you know, music speaking in through this a, is unbelievable. Mumford like, and Sons. Fucking yeah, Mumford and Sons, for God's sakes. Oh, my it's God. It's very, like, yeah, uh, kind of Christian. Like, it's very, like, Hillsongy, which I think ultimately yes. is, like, the ideology that Jason Russell, like, most, like, the subscribes to in a broad sense like, very hillsongy and yeah but in, in the similar way to hillsong where they're almost like crypto evangelical and they dress themselves up almost like secular urban hipsters yeah they don't men- yeah exactly and that's part of the strategy you know yeah there's uh, no mention of like god in coney 2012 that this was is, like kind right? of part of the that was well, part except- of the backlash like really like whether well, i feel like there's like more things to like you know, uh, get outraged about. Although there are outrageous aspects of like the evangelical investment in Uganda, which like this is kind of part of. But like, yeah, people were like, "Wow, you know, he spoke at Liberty University, which is like a vile mm-hmm. institution." Um, yeah, he spoke know, at a lot and, of Christian colleges. Yeah, and was like, "This is a Trojan horse or whatever." And they're like, "No, they're trying to slap us into being Christian." But like, <laughs> you know, like they were like outraged on the very surface level of like, how dare you be Christian at all? But like, really like this is part of like kind of a, a complex of like American evangelical investment in Uganda that it it like really, yeah, is very deep and like very problematic and sinister. Uh, Yeah. It's like the issue isn't so much like just that he's Christian. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that was the issue for a lot of people like you were deceptive, you know, like you're trying to, uh, you know, like uh, Christ wash us or whatever, but really like what it's part of a larger progress pro- project to like Christ wash Africa. <laughs> and also this is what kind of is interesting about the 2012 thing to me. Sorry to digress a little bit. But what's kind of interesting about it to me is that like both in Coney 2012 and also in a lot of the earlier and later material like about Coney himself is like a stark demarcation between like the African epistemology and like the Western epistemology where like one is like very like quote unquote the African one that is would be very like superstitious and like, you know, uh, spiritually driven and things like that. But really like this is a like interlaced like spiritual conflict that's playing out like on, you know, in both on both battlefields, you know, this is absolutely I was saying before we started recording, this is a good case study for like how the subliminal jihad or a subliminal jihad like unfolds like, you know, in an ambiguous way. Why is it was waged by many different factions. But yeah, yes. like it's a there's it, ubiquitous it, spiritual warfare going on. Yes, in this entire exactly. conflict and that is like inextricable and not limited to one side. And yes, it's very much a part of like. I think Invisible Children is a front in or, you know, a uh, a battalion in that in one front of that war, which is like, you know, the sort of uh, Christian interest in, you know, protecting Uganda or like, you know, uh, from, you know, the people who are closing in, whether that's like Joseph Coney's like, you know, sort of like syncretic, like witchcraft uh, adjacent practices uh or animistic mm-hmm. practices or you know a villain that comes up periodically that dovetails well with the sort of war on terror rhetoric is uh, muslims uh al shabaab boko haram yeah, that's the right. new template basically of the the new conies i mean now it's like they're uh, like let a thousand conies bloom across africa is kind of the new state of affairs <laughs> where coney yeah. himself is like faded kind of in, in become a marginal very marginal figure but you see this kind of a group of like sickos who commit atrocities and justify 
kind of justify their actions with a sort of religious ideology broadly, but it's one that kind of has, despite whatever they say it is, like in Joseph Coney's case, it's kind of interesting because, you know, his, his group is called the Lord's Resistance Army, and maybe we'll talk later, but it actually, it, it really came out of this, like, I think it was called the Holy Spirit Movement of the mid-80s yeah, that was like a millenarian yeah. kind of uh, Christian, but also like animist kind of movement in northern Uganda. But yeah, it's like if you look at the like Wicked... Spirit mediumship, it's like a very yeah. like millenarian type of or yeah thing. Yes. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and he was considered kind of like a powerful, basically like witch doctor who was in communion yeah. with, with spirits. Uh, but if it's like if you look at his Wikipedia... And I think it almost like kind of implies it a little bit. It doesn't really get into it in Coney 2012, but it says things like, oh, he's like an extreme Christian who wants to establish like a Christian theology in Uganda. And it's like, eh, like, I don't really know. Like most of the Ugandans I see, I saw interviewed and most of the other stuff we watched, like do not consider him basically satanic. Like they don't consider him a Christian. I think one Ugandan kind of said funnily, like, yeah, they call it the Lord's resistance army. I don't know if he's resisting the Lord or if he's <laughs> resisting the people or if he's resisting the army, <laughs> but like, you know, they, they yeah. see him very, because you know, they, they don't have this like weird false, like de, like Western style mindset about things like magic or spiritual warfare. Like yes. they, they take, they take it almost like, you know, basically as, as a given that Coney is like, using dark spirits to like help him yeah. in this well war. i mean by the same token like it's i mean coney there are like christian elements to what you know obviously like from the point of view of like an american christianity like this would be very uh you know uh like outside of wh whatever would be considered orthodoxy but like you know there's definitely christian elements to it although there's also like uh yeah like a, a very strong uh, precedence given to spirits. I mean, I think that like a lot of Ugandan Christians probably also, well, I mean, they do believe like in spirits. Like, I don't know if they are universally regarded to be dark. Like, you know, it's a, it's, yeah, it's complex, yeah. you know, it's like, and I mean, in a lot of ways, like the Orthodox Christian, uh, at least the American Orthodox Christian element in Uganda is also extremely sinister and evil. Well, exactly. Like, that's the yeah, funny like, part is that they say, yeah. oh, Kony wants to establish a Christian theocracy or whatever. And it's like, well, yes, like Museveni, really, uh, like yeah. when you, we'll get to his connections later to like American evangelicals, but you could definitely could make an argument that like he's kind of, you know, moving towards uh, a more, a more like recognizable Christian kind of theocratic sort of yeah, style of rule. and even though, you know, I remember that movie, like, God Loves Uganda, that was, like, you know, it was similarly criticized in a way because it was, like, you know, oh, like, the West invented homophobia and, like, no one in Uganda was anti-gay until, you know, the evangelicals came in or whatever, which, of course, is not true. However, like, I do think that there is some truth to the idea that, like, Museveni, I mean, I'm sure, you know, he does have strong beliefs, but is more of, like, to an extent, he's, like, an opportunist, and I think that he w goes along with what attracts attention from, like, the benefactors that Uganda's economy, like, depends on in a, in a lot of respects. You know, like, they yeah. pay for, like, his inauguration <laughs> ceremonies. They give him, like, all these weapons. Don't so, forget like, those U.S. Like, military advisors. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So well, we'll get into, sort of, like, you know, we'll get into Museveni's conversion in 1986, which is very, a very interesting story. 
when he yeah. comes to Washington, D.C. But yeah, going back to but like, yeah, again, you don't get any of that in Cody 2012. He's just a bad man. And that's right. it. So not after Mussolini, Coney. Yeah, sorry, Coney. Mussolini like yeah, is basically like not yeah. mentioned, the but hero. they yeah. but they uh, well, right. I noticed that most pretty much like the people that they actually interview for Coney 2012 are all labeled as politicians who I assume are probably from Mussolini's ruling party who are saying like yeah absolutely like the international community's got to come in and like do something about Kony, even though he had fled uganda like seven years prior but anyways so moving forward after you know gavin sees the two pictures of, of the good boy <laughs> and the bad man they they go through they show you know a bunch of graphics of Coney's atrocities, which, you know, uh, are very kind of brutal, like in the cutting off lips and noses and ears, like mutilating, you know, abducting women into sex slavery and things like that. And then Jason Russell starts to kind of outline, well, you know, after I got radicalized by this trip and I went there, uh, but then we came back and tried to like lobby, you know, uh, government officials and we get a bunch of talking heads saying that basically like look like there's no strategic interest for you know the united states in uganda so you're not going to get anybody in the u.s to like do anything about this so you know so <laughs> then he decides he needs to start creating like a movement from the ground up and he starts mm -hmm. going around you know the country to speak at high schools and colleges and screening the film, the rough cut of, you know, uh, Invisible Children and, you know, says like we started to build like an online movement and shows like his Facebook mm -hmm. page, like exploding yeah, with followers. Yeah, it's like a soaring montage. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. giving speeches saying, you know, like what, what, what does he keep saying? Like you might ask, who am I to stop a war? And I say, who are you not to? You know, it's very, he's like very Hillsong, <laughs> oh. like pastor type yeah so fucking um, annoying. um yeah, yeah but this is this is the energy and you know he this is they couldn't wait for ins institutions or governments to step in so they we did it ourselves with our time talent and money and oh my god there's like lumineer like folk bands playing we <laughs> built schools we the one thing they were very proud about which again, I think we can talk more a little more about later is like the early warning kind of uh, radio system that they mm -hmm. established in Uganda or not in Uganda, but I think in, in the Congo where basically like if Kony's troops were like advancing somewhere, you could radio a village and be like, look out. And, mm -hmm. you know, so they said, you know, we're saving lives. We're building schools. We're, we're doing uh, creating jobs. <laughs> doing all these things right and where in fact yeah. like most of their money went to like you know military hardware and not like infrastructure which is true of like usaid and all these ngos in general but yeah anyway. usaid gave a lot of money to yes. uganda like in the 90s and the 2000s um after and i think that invisible children like received money from them even like if i'm not mistaken oh interest oh interest I, yeah. I didn't realize that but um, it, it, so yeah it's like a really kind of a uh, cringe montage of these like hill songy millennials kind of running around and they even do a kind of interesting like people's mic occupy thing mm -hmm. where they they do like a call and response of like we will not stop like <laughs> yeah, this exactly, war right. must end yeah, yeah it says like as a result of our efforts the unseen became visible we've seen these kids we've heard their cries this war must end <laughs> yeah um we will not stop <laughs> 
yeah at one point aren't they saying like it's not over it's not over which is like weird because in a way like the like war with the lra or like the lra rebellion in uganda was over so yeah it was, it was weirdly like a you know he was still at large but like it was kind of like a reversal almost of the phil oaks like the war's over thing where they're like <laughs> but they're saying like it is not over it's like over. no we still have wow. to it is you know invade uganda yeah also i um, noticed that because when they first started doing these tours and stuff it was around like 2006 so for me that's very sus that you're going around doing these chants because like we will fight war we will stop <laughs> war and it's like um like do you want to maybe focus on like maybe there's a, a more relevant war going on that like our fucking country is doing right now and like yeah. killing probably way more people no instead than joseph coney ever did go into another war like isn't and, that interesting you know like i understand like why people would like think that that would be like a worthy cause but the thing is like there wasn't a war that the war that they described was not a war that could be fought. It was over. Like it actually was like, I mean, yeah, again, he was still at large and like, there definitely were American like interests in that region, uh, but they weren't like noble at all. Yeah. No, totally. And, like, totally. They, they already were there. That was another thing. Um, yeah. I think uh, moving through the video here where he's just talking about how, how many great things, you know, they got, they started getting, um, yeah, around like 2011 and stuff. They, they started getting more politicians kind of onto it. They are very, um, happy to report. Oh no, this is actually, so this is interesting about Coney too. This is another, or, or invisible children. This is another like weird, uh, incongruous detail is that the U S government was all already like Congress passed a law and Barack Obama signed it to like basically send U.S. military personnel and advisors and equipment to Uganda to like hunt down Kony in 2009. I'm seeing yeah. here it's 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 quoted in the documentary. I remember yeah, he, them like cheering like you know when Obama like they read Obama's thing. Yeah, uh, like there's yeah. a scene in the movie where they make it seem like they did it. You know, which they they I don't do. Know. Well, well, I mean yeah. maybe they did, but it's they sus probably if they could, did. They might have contributed. Yeah. Um, yeah. They said the the Democratic Republic of the Congo and South Sudan uh, that have a disproportionate impact on regional security uh, since 2008. The United States has supported regional military efforts to pursue the LRA and protect local communities, even with some U.S. Uh, limited U.S. assistance, however, regional military efforts have so far been unsuccessful in removing LRA leader Joseph Kony or his top commanders from the battlefield. In the Lord's Resistance Army Disarmament and Northern Uganda Recovery Act of 2009, Public Law 111172, enacted May 24, 2010, the Congress also expressed support for increased comprehensive U.S. efforts to help mitigate and eliminate the threat posed by the LRA to civilians and regional stability. In furtherance of the Congress's stated policy, I have authorized a small number of U.S. forces to deploy to Central Africa to provide assistance to regional forces that are working toward the removal of Joseph Kony from the battlefield. I believe that deploying these U.S. armed forces furthers nation U.S. national security interests and foreign policy and will be a significant contribution to toward counter LRA efforts in Central Africa. So, yeah, it said the initial team of U.S. military personnel with appropriate combat equipment would be arriving, um, I yeah. guess, in October I guess representatives 12th. of Invisible Children uh, were present when Obama signed the law, right? Uh, I guess that's when they got to meet Obama. I think, yeah, when they got to meet Obama. Yeah. 
So, okay, like, wait a minute, because the what it gets to eventually near the end of the video, even though they tell you that, you know, and they show like video of like these, you know, basically these U.S. military people that are there to advise the Ugandan army and blah, blah, blah. When it comes down to, okay, what is this like group about? His literal logic is, well, Obama has already sent, you know, Obama and Congress have already sent U.S. military advisors to hunt down Coney. But if like politicians don't feel like people care about it, they're going to send the troops home. So <laughs> yeah, to prevent right. the troops from being sent home and like canceling the operation, we need to make Coney famous to like persuade politicians to keep sent to like keep them, yeah. just keep them there basically like That's doing what they're like- already doing. Part of it being, like, the timing, like, around, like, the Arab Spring and everything, like, that's, like, why, yeah, I feel like on one level, like, again, as I said, like, on one level, like, he needs to make an excuse, like, to do this because it's, like, he's a, like, you know, narcissist. But also, like, it seems like some kind of weird, like, influence op or, like, experiment, like, to see if, like, He does say it's an experiment. Oh, well, I mean, then it is, Yeah. Well, I, like I almost Josh feel Harris. like it's like an MK. Like, no, that's what I mean. Like it's like a social, it's lab. a social experiment. Yeah, like, th- right. Exactly. To see like how, you, like, you know, uh, apparently grassroots. I mean, I guess it was a failure, but like they yeah, were experimenting with this sort of relatively new uh, understanding of social media to see like how they could kind of like gin up like support for this thing on like ba- basically very low information. You that's know, very like interesting incredible I, misrepresentation like what i okay if i'm i'm just spitballing here but if this was some kind of experimental psyop thing almost like an mk search for like social media manipulation like send it out into the field then maybe having these like glaring aspects of it that are sort of wrong or don't make sense was almost yeah. like intentional both in the sense of like if you fill it with some bullshit how many people are going to react and like call it out and do that exactly. and also like how, how much can you get away can with you lie on social mm-hmm. media and make like college students and millennials like you know rally to you you know like because government psyops aren't really worried about like what's the most effective way to broadcast the truth <laughs> you know what i mean, I mean? it's like, actually the whole like 2012 thing as well like i'm also spitballing at this point is interesting because something that i think made a big splash and like was impressive to like a lot of people who were would pay attention to this type of things was actually obama's campaign in 20 in 2008 like yeah. the mobilization of young people like just around like literally hope and change for the most part yeah. you know obviously obama's platform i think for most people like probably was you know more appealing than mccain especially after like the eight years of republican rule so you don't really need too much more than that but like i think that but you to know, get the nomination, was, that's yeah, really his where his use of yeah, exactly his use of so like that was interesting to people, and it's very interesting that Coney twenty twelve even like the like the color schemes. I think they didn't they like even interview like Shepard Fairey like in the documentary. Oh yes, they like, did. Yes, because he he printed I think like oh, a version wow. of like the Obama hope, but it said Coney and was like oh, a picture God. of Coney. Shepard Fairey yeah. is so fucking sus. I don't obey. even know where to start. <laughs> um, obey, fuck yeah. off. Like, yeah, like so. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's it's weird. It's weird. It's kind of like can we do like you know this the Obama election thing with like a weird like not justifiable military intervention in to like the heart of Africa for uh, senti- for, for basically no like reason. sentimental reasons. 
Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, this immediately makes me think of like the White Helmets, which like went on to win a fucking Oscar, which I feel like is very big Coney 2012 vibes in that it oversimplifies the shit out of the conflict. It doesn't like let you know that like this group was like formed by like a ex-British spy, like mercenary guy who like fell off a cliff and died two years ago and is yeah. like funded by U.S. aid basically. Or, so it uh, is like an op. Or, or Rojava, what, remember like uh, Rojava, um, uh, <laughs> the based Pentagon backed, uh, yeah, you know, the socialist Kurds. I mean, but, um, or like gay girl. Remember, wasn't there like gay girl in Damascus or something? Was like I, early. I mean, was, the IDF. Like, I mean, you could give a million yeah. uh, examples yeah. of this. Uh, I mean, there was another one that was like kind of recent. I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's. Or, a, remember, a Gaddafi zillion. was distributing like thirty, like thousands of Viagra pills to like his troops so they could go on mass raping sprees. So we have to have no. a new fly zone, like right well, now. Well, also like the incubator babies was another thing, but that was like lying to you know like a political body where like this is like manipulating. I mean, there was an it's aspect of manipulating to the, the popular will, but yeah, this is using sort of different tools. The like you know the emergent power of social media and you know it's still uh, optimistic as fuck about that aspect where i mean i think they have um russ feingold who <laughs> you know i think yeah. i said on recluse i saw at the 2005 fight and bob fest in sus mm -hmm. baraboo wisconsin uh right. i really liked russ feingold back in the day because he was like the only senator to like vote against the patriot act and like vote against the iraq war and he was like an old school liberal and then i think he got like he got like like railroaded and like fucking mm -hmm. lost his Senate seat, you yeah. know, basically. But he said something like, I feel like I've heard a million people say that is like, you know, like if a congressman or a senator gets, you know, 25 calls about a single subject, it's noted, believe me. And everyone's like, yeah. wow, like we're going to, so it's like contact your powerful people and tell them to. So that's something right. that is kind of like a new tactic that I feel like to some extent is like much more that that's become very normalized and like prevalent today of like kind of, you know, you, you sigh up the people kind of directly and then they'll kind of clamor and go to their, you know, their representatives and, mm -hmm. you know, basically like, you know, squawk about how you need to do something or something like that. Yeah. And then it might be just enough to like nudge them to like go along with it. And it's almost like laundering instead of having some like sus lobbyists or like intelligence people like come to you and be like, you need to support this. You know, it's mm -hmm. a, just you have, I don't know, shit yeah. like that. But <laughs> also right. like he so he unveils this plan here that like we're going to make him famous. We're going to cover the night. Um, right. And you know, it's totally so. It's, yeah, he's got uh, he's got Russ Feingold, Prendergast, uh, Shepard Fairey, and then people his, will his, wake up and see the whole city, every city in America, covered with Coney posters. Which uh -huh, is like, all exactly. Right. And then when he when he lays out like we have identified like the most powerful people that have like the most influence to make sure that we catch Coney and we've given all the information on our website so you can contact them and the list of people that he lists is like so 2012 and perfect yeah and it's, it's just Bono, like Tim Tebow uh Taylor Swift yeah who else uh, uh, let uh, me see. we are targeting Bill 20 Gates, Bill yeah, Gates right? we're, yeah. We're, yeah he says we're targeting 20 culture you know makers and 10 policymakers and 12 policymakers to challenge them to use their power for good. So he says, let's start with the 20 culture makers. So we have Rihanna, Oprah, yeah, yeah. Tim Tebow, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes. 
Um, let's see. There, yeah, uh, Stephen Colbert, Bill <laughs> Gates, George Clooney. George uh, Clooney even says kind of cryptically, like, I would like war criminals to enjoy the same level of celebrity as me. So, yeah, I don't know, exactly. like, who's seeding this idea of, like, we should make war criminals, like, celebrities and shit? Yeah, like, make them fame. Like, make yeah, them famous? It's very weird. He's, it's kind that, of like a sublimated, uh, like, desire for fame on the part of Jason uh, Russell. Like, that his solution is to make Coney famous. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of Ugandans immediately after, or a lot of Africans in general, like, found that specifically yeah. offensive. They were like, this guy's, like, murdered confusing. tons of people. Yeah. Because they didn't, like, it was almost like they didn't get, I, like, I think maybe something, there, there is a cultural divide there. Like, Americans are so fame-brained and like media ruined that like we can understand like the bizarre irony of like yes like make him famous because all power flows from celebrity and then you can punish it like but other people were just I like make him famous sounds like you're celebrating him like exactly. why would you do no, that i think i don't think it's that much of a cultural thing i mean if they said make him infamous yeah that would be different like yeah. you know but I think it is actually confusing, even like it does, you know, it seems like they're running him for president, like just on the branding. It's weird. Yeah. Like, no, it, it, is it does seem like they're running English. him for president. Yeah. Yeah. But I think maybe, maybe like they thought I mean. that's yeah. a kind of cool, like millennial irony to be like, make him famous because like he's actually yeah. evil, but like that, that not everybody. Yeah, no was, one like, is more accountable and more easily yet. punished than famous people, as we all know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, no, for uh, sure. Yeah. George Clooney says that's our objective is just is to just shine a light on it i just want to side note if you ever use the phrase shine a light you're fucking sus and i don't trust you i hate that <laughs> phrase it's the worst fucking phrase ever like it's like a, a sus rolling stones concert movie by scorsese that i think is called right or is that gimme shelter no it was called shine a light i just hate what the f shut the fuck up stop saying shine a light on it stop <laughs> saying shine a light like what and then what like what are you gonna do after you shine a light it, it's like it's like the proverb of like awareness politics. It's this is it really like this is the literally this was the epitome. This is the the apogee of awareness politics. It was literally just like if everyone is aware, it's borderline. I mean, this is like the spiritual aspect of it, where there's like you know a, a level of like. I mean, it even it reminds me a little bit of Stephen Greer TM stuff, where like if ten percent, you know, it's just like if everyone knows Coney, like, that will stop him, like, inherently. When, like, I mean, not necessarily, like... No. You know, like... Uh, Everybody knows yeah. Trump. Did that stop him? No. Um, well, I mean, a lot of people liked him. <laughs> but, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I that's the thing. Like, probably, probably like me too. Uh, well, yeah, know, I noticed a couple other, you know, because they are on this like weird bipartisan tip. The other other people on their list of influencers are Ellen, Jay Z, Ben Affleck, Bill O'Reilly, Warren Buffett, Justin Bieber, and Rick Warren, uh, and Lady Gaga. Right, Rick and, Warren. That's an interesting thing because well, his whole thing is tipping like, their hand a little bit, right? Yeah, that's like the sort of liberal. Uh, like, I think that Selena Gomez like carries around rick warren's book like everywhere she goes or whatever i remember Why are all these disney celebrities into like weird christian a like lot of them crypto are. dominionist yep. cults it's very fucking weird and like what's really weird about it is that like you know i think we talked about before how like i mean in america if you say you're religious like that usually means like you know if you say you're not religious that means you don't believe in god at all in other countries that sometimes mean like you know you're not like actively practicing or whatever in other you know it can shift but 
it was weird like hearing selena gomez say like i'm not religious but i'm very spiritual and i carry around this rick warren book like everywhere i go or whatever it's like what you're like that's very odd you know it was strange yeah you'd almost expect her to be carrying some esalen shit it was it's very like coney like where it's like i'm not religious or like what you know like but yeah like this but you crypto are like yeah you super are yeah oh rush limbaugh's on this list as well what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh and you know I think we'll, we'll get into I like, can just imagine Rush Limbaugh like saying that we gotta go get Coney like I can hear his voice in my head right now like the drive-by media has been asleep yeah. you know uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> this like oh god uh, yeah so it's um, like this weird and then I mean the politicians are not much the, the politicians are also kind of uh very 2012 and very weird where it's like it's like James Inhofe who appears in Coney 12 multiple times you know very right-wing senator and uh, Condoleezza Rice and Bill Clinton. <laughs> um, yeah, we got to get Condi, who was super relevant, like, in 2012. Like, I feel weird. like Susan weird. Rice also, like, pops up at some point as well. well like, her image pops up. Yeah, John wasn't Kerry. Wasn't Susan Rice, like, a quote-unquote Africa expert? And, oh, like, yeah, no, she was the, I believe, the Undersecretary of State for African Affairs under Bill Clinton and yeah. very famously was involved in all kinds of conflict resolutions right. in and, like, West the, Africa in the 90s. And even, when I think... I think when her and I want to say Thomas Pickering, um, an esteemed State Department man, I think they went to visit the Nigerian president in the late 90s. And like immediately after they met with him, he just like dropped dead of like a heart attack. Eh, <laughs> like, like they went to have tea with him and then he just like died immediately. Very sus. Um, Susan Rice Incredibly is very sus. she's probably yes. lifelong like CIA basically. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think South Sudan was like kind of like her whole like vision and project too. I could see um, that. I could yeah. definitely see that. And yeah, so then you know they yeah so that they got all these like sus people and they got all their merch and you know <laughs> we're gonna yes. yeah we're we're gonna wake up after you know Hitler's birthday. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be Coney things everywhere. Yeah, the Great Awakening is coming. Yeah, exactly. And over uh, the isn't this like I can't stop? Like, isn't that like the Kanye like Skrillex song? I I literally don't know. I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Flux Pavilion. Oh, I I don't know okay. why I thought that was Kanye for some reason. Everything felt like it was like yeah, like a Hill song, like opening song. You know, the whole vibe was very like. Yeah. yeah, it's unmistakable. But the, 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 the I can't stop is like so fucking ugh, 2012, yeah. like pop dubstep kind of thing. Yes. And then they show their sus symbol where <laughs> it's like an infographic with like a pyramid with four tiers. The top one has a dollar sign. The second tier has like a, a, a kind of a courthouse and a TV. The third tier has a, a home symbol, a little family symbol. And very oddly, the Liberian flag which I don't know if that's intentional or not. Um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, uh, like, well, I mean, that's the, the Liberian flag is the American flag with one big star instead of 50. Now, maybe they did that because it's like a tiny graphic, but it's just mm-hmm. weird that they would, I don't know, include that there. It's like a little strange, strange Easter egg. And then the there's Liberty like a triangle. globe. Yeah, globe with everybody at the bottom, but they're flipping the triangle so that it's an upside down triangle, which... Uh, do upside down triangles like symbolize anything? Didn't that used to be just like a sign of like, like, like a gay sign, just in general? Um, I th- well, pink triangles are like the famous 
sign. In Nazi Germany, um, right? Yeah. Weren't they upside uh, down pink triangles? Yeah, they were upside down pink triangles. Again, yeah. Jason Russell, like he's just crying. <laughs> yes. Uh, he wants to tell us so, but he wants to live his truth so bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, he just embeds it everywhere. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, more I don't want to like be like, no, you're you're lying. <laughs> you know, I just feel like that's like a you know a he said he said situation, but. I mean, uh, I guess there's a reason why Oprah was like just straight up like, "Are you gay?" <laughs> like, to, yeah, uh, and he didn't yeah. say no. He didn't say no. He said, "I grew up in musical theater." <laughs> That's what um, he said. Right. He was like, "I don't know why people say that." You know, I guess I was, you know, snapping my fingers very rapidly, <laughs> like you know. As you said uh, he was serving. That's not the reason. Yes, he was. He was very he was much serving, serving gin. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But uh, but yeah. So he, you know, that's basically the end where he, you know, he says, "Wow, the better world we want is coming." It's mm-hmm. just waiting for us to stop at nothing. <laughs> right. And then, it, you know, the, the countdown hits zero. The, the race to make Coney famous is on. And let's see, what are his instructions here? Uh, oh, it is nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time, whose has, time come. has come. I remember that. Yeah. But then it switches to say whose time is now. Wow. There are three that things you can do right now. the same thing. I, yes. Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay, so sign yeah, the pledge. Buy, I remember, buy the bracelet, because you can get well, your yeah. own, like, special, like, marked Coney bracelet with, like, a like and an enter ID. in your, your Nazi party ID number. Uh, exactly. It's website. weird. It's weird. Like, <laughs> it yeah. is like that. I feel like there's so many levels to this. Like, can we get people to wear like an RFID like number <laughs> or like whatever? Well, you, you like, can track, you can track yeah. your, this is a great like phrase. Like he says, you know, you can geotag your bracelet, which I guess, I don't know, is connected to like the posters you get, maybe All the right. QR code and you can go on Instagram and geotag it and track your impact in real time. Which wow, is like so awesome. internet's going to save the world. Uh, millennial, you know, internet is going to save the world. He also mentions here, I, d- I didn't get a chance to really look it up, but he, a few times he mentions uh, like the third instruction here is to sign up for try to donate a few dollars a month and join our army for peace. Try, I guess, is like some kind of related charity NGO that's spelled T-R-I, but the logo is like, I'm sorry. It's kind of sus. It's like a peace <laughs> sign inverted, hmm. which isn't that uh, like a rune? What, uh, yes. Yeah. It's the. I think it's the death rune. <laughs> yeah. Let um, me just look up a death rune. Well, it's the yeah. Lupin's rune, but inverted it oh, wait. used to mean death. Uh, you know. Okay, yeah. I see here. Uh, well, yeah. Wh- which one? Well, the like the arms are like pointing up. So is that? What, oh, if the arms are pointing up, then that would be the Lebensraum, the life room. Um, okay, yeah. they're doing but, some white magic, I guess. Well, it's also like a Nazi, like the SS used that rune, you know. But I guess that's also like the peace sign in general, like you know. Well, but the uh, peace sign is that. Is well, I mean, down. Yeah. it's it's hard to keep track of like who's more sus here because the peace sign is the opposite, which I guess you're yeah. saying would be the death rune. That was like how they would mark people oh no i think that yeah i think that they would mark people as being dead like in newspapers by having the leben's room be inverted or something but i think that yeah they I, might, maybe i'm misremembering and they would just use the leben's room up in place of a cross i think i might be but either way no i'm like looking that. at it right now that uh algas is yeah, the one algies. that yeah. the algies is the one that um that try is using which is life beginning protection the flipped one, uh, YR, year, I guess, mm-hmm. which is if you put a circle around it, that's the recognizable peace symbol. 
That symbolizes death, end, and war. Right, I see, because, yeah, I, I was correct. The Nazis would use um, them for born and died. So the Lebensrun, the upright one, the one with the, the arms pointing upward, would be used for born, and the inverted would be used for died, which would they replaced the use of the asterisk and the, uh, the cross, because, you know, can't have that. Yeah, either uh, yeah. way, this logo is sus, and I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because the Invisible Children stuff is still on the internet, but maybe because the shitty SEO of something called TRI, mm. I can't find kind of any information about that as a chair, the TRI program. Like, I, it's really hard. I guess it's like a subsidiary of Invisible Children. Hmm. Yeah, and it and it uses this weird rune. And <laughs> I don't know who's more sus, the hippies for using a death rune. I also remember reading a while back that a really interesting kind of comparison somebody made that like the the peace sign looks awfully like a sort of 1950s era uh, patch for like a B-52 crew member. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the shape of a B-52... It is extremely um, basically similar to like yeah. That who designed rune. the peace sign originally? I feel like it has some weird background. I um, found I found a weird blog here just to say that said a peace symbol once said to represent bomber from two thousand eight on pietype.com. So hmm, interesting. This guy is talking about how he was go- like a young person going to an anti war protest. Yeah, he says, I don't recall hearing then in the late 60s that the symbol had actually originated in, in England in 1958. I was told right. US, U.S. hippies and peaceniks had contrived it and that it was a stylized swept-wing B-52 bomber, the plane being used for carpet bombing and dropping Agent Orange in Vietnam's DMZ. I didn't read about the symbol's true origin, Gerald Holtham, England, 1958, until just a few hours ago and find it curious that of half a dozen or so articles about the meaning of the design, none mentions the bomber image. Surely it's there somewhere. Holtham's sign began as a symbol for nuclear disarmament, evolved into an anti-Vietnam War sign, and went on to become an internationally recognized symbol for peace. Intentionally, it was never copyrighted, so it remained free to everyone. It's persisted for 50 years, blah, blah, blah. Huh. So, uh, Gerald Holton, this is from the New York Times Morning Briefing, 2018. Gerald Holton, the Briton who designed the peace symbol, was in, quote, deep despair when he created it on this day in 1958. I drew right. myself, wrote Mr. Holton, a World War II conscientious objector who was alarmed by the nuclear arms race. The representative of an individual in despair, with hands with hands palm outstretched outward and downward in the manner of Goya's peasant before the firing squad. The symbol also combined the semaphores or flag signaling codes for the letters N and D or nuclear disarmament. The circle around it represented the earth. The symbol, which isn't trademarked, was embraced by the broader anti-war movement and disparaged by critics as anti-Christian. Mr. Holtham is said to have later expressed a desire that the symbol be inverted. Oh, because the broken cross thing with, yeah, it's similar to, that was actually, the, I think, the Nazis' main justification for using it, like, you know, to get away from using the cross. So it's interesting that they perceived it that way. Cause, oh, yeah. interesting. Um, so yeah. I guess he wanted later to invert the symbol so that it resembled hands reaching to the sky, like the way Tri has it. Uh, such mm-hmm. a symbol, in addition to being more celebratory of peace, would also evoke the semaphore for the letter U, as in unilateral disarmament. 
huh, interesting. I mean, it's also interesting that, like, the way he had it, being a B-52 bomber, I mean, and being a symbol of death, that's pretty on brand for a B-52 bomber, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just interesting, and I I think, yeah, I don't know much more about Tri, but that was what they were soliciting money from, which basically a lot of people started giving them shit for. When my friends and I came home from Uganda, we thought that if the government knew, they would do something to stop him. But everyone in Washington we talked to said, there is no way the United States will ever get involved in a conflict where our national security or financial interests aren't at stake. No administration, Republican, Democrat, Obama, Bush, Clinton, doesn't matter, would do enough because it's simply not an important enough issue on the radar screen of American foreign policy. Since the government said it was impossible, we didn't know what else to do but tell everyone we could about Jacob and the Invisible Children. Show this movie to as many people as possible in such a way that we can't be ignored. And when we did, people were shocked and their awareness turned into action. We started something, a community. I have friends that have been living in this conflict their entire life. Fight for that, because that is what is gonna change this world, and that is what defines us. We got creative, and we got loud. It's not over! It's not over! It's not over! And as the LRA began to move into other countries, Jacob, and other Ugandans came to the U.S. to speak on behalf of all people suffering because of Kony. Even though Uganda was relatively safe, they felt compelled to tell the world that Kony was still out there and had to be stopped. I'm here so proud advocating for the people who are back at home. And this change we're going to make is going to last forever. We built a community around the idea that where you live shouldn't determine whether you live. We were committed to stop Kony and rebuild what he had destroyed. And because we couldn't wait for institutions or governments to step in, we did it ourselves with our time, talent, and money. So we rebuilt schools. The best you can offer a child is by letting them be independent, and that was providing education. We created jobs. I have seen the lives of those who have been hopeless Now they have hope. And we built an early warning radio network on the front line of the war to protect villages from rebel attacks. To update real time what's happening on a war zone 8,000 miles away. All of this was funded by an army of young people who put their money toward their belief in the value of all human life. They gave a few dollars a month of what little they had to a program called TRY, and proved that a bunch of littles could make a big difference. And as a result, the unseen became visible.
arbitrage people from Mexico, from Canada, from every other state that I can think of. We're all doing this for the exact same reason, and we're all coming from completely different places. This is what the world should be like. Okay, we're back. And now that we talked about the film, we have to talk about the 10 days that shook the web. Yeah. It was quite a ride. Mm -hmm. You can still find some of the, like, appearances uh, by... Yeah, Jason Russell. I forget the name of his other guy, but you know he was ubiquitous for like ten days, wearing his signature red Coney twenty twelve or <laughs> Stop Coney. I forget exactly what it says, mm-hmm. but his signature red T shirt that you can get in your action kit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and, and you know some people uh, started to fire back after a few days. Mm-hmm. I think the the writer uh, Teju Cole had. Mm-hmm like a series of infamous tweets where that I actually think hold up pretty well. Yeah. Let's see. On March 8th, uh, he said, from Saks to Kristoff to Invisible Children to Ted, the fastest growth industry in the U.S. is the white savior industrial complex. And then the white savior supports brutal policies in the morning, founds charities in the afternoon, and receives awards in the evening. Totally mm. true. Yes. The banality of evil transmutes into the banality of sentimentality. The world is nothing but a problem to be solved by enthusiasm. This world exists simply to satisfy the needs, including importantly, the sentimental needs of white people and Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> the white savior industrial complex is not about justice. It is about having a big emotional experience that validates privilege. Feverish worry over that awful African warlord but close to 1.5 million Iraqis died from an American war of choice. Worry about that. Yeah. I deeply respect American sentimentality the way one respects a wounded hippo. You must keep an eye on it, for you know it is deadly. Yes. <laughs> spitting some, spit yeah. some fire there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, Oprah, yeah, Oprah was riding the shit, like, very hard. And all of like the Bill Gates cronies that you would expect Mm -hmm. as well. Or I guess I should say Epstein cronies since Bill Clinton was mentioned, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he starts to get a little bit of like clapback and I guess his, his, his media appearances, I don't know. They don't really start to get more erratic, but (laughs) he's starting to get kind of ground down by them. And then Mm -hmm. like 10 days after Coney 2012 drops, this video comes out of Jason Russell like strutting around <laughs> the streets of downtown oh San Diego, yeah. Yeah. totally naked, like having a total, it seems like psychotic breakdown, ranting in a very uh, musical theater kind of way. I yes. guess you could call it. A uh, musical it. theater kind of way, yeah. Very uh, campy kind of way mm-hmm. uh, about something about like something, something in the devil and he's swearing a lot and he's sort of beating his chest like like King Kong. And then he's yeah, like he's, he said, he starts slapping the pavement to like primate mode. Yeah, I mean, he's lit- he's literally chimping out uh, like his, <laughs> his, yeah. this is a case where that term does apply. Yeah, he, he really does. It, he's uh, he goes primal. And then gets, you know, taken in on a psychiatric hold and stuff. And immediately this video comes out. And like we said, it kind of like blows up the entire movement, et cetera. Even though like Invisible Children does grow after 2012 and they're kind of chugging along, like doing their thing. And they're not totally 
like it's because they got a bunch of money from like USAID and shit. Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. and other foundations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all kinds of interesting American sources. Uh, but then you know, uh, I think Jason Russell kind of drops off the map for a little while and kind of steps back for being like the face of this organization. You know, there are a lot of think pieces at the time. I, I think in a very kind of Aaron Sorkin newsroom, like uh, David Brooks kind of way about like, hmm, the pitfalls of slacktivism or, you know, clicktivism and things like that. Like there was still a lot of like boomers like shitting on millennials for like thinking they can use the Internet to change the world or something. Mm hmm back in that era i feel like yeah and but then ultimately like that just became everybody kind of realized the utility of that mm-hmm. and now we we live in the world we do but you yeah. know he did pop up like a year later um in around i think like 20 around 2013 let me see if i can find the article i linked here that was in the guardian he did like a big interview and Uh, i think it's good to talk for a second about his breakdown because it eventually got kind of passed off as like he had kind of like a psychotic delusional breakdown the pressure got so intense that he Mm -hmm. like okay we've all been under pressure um in our lives we've all you know (laughs) uh been overwhelmed by things you know maybe we've even uh acted in ways that we aren't proud of but And I mean, I know that being kind of like the center of this massive viral campaign probably was stressful. But I mean, like stripping naked and like, you know, having an uh, in his own words, an out of body experience like that's not normal. (laughs) Um, It's not normal. what What you would expect. I mean, he was like a. As they say in, you know, the UK, he was sectioned afterwards, right? He was like. Yeah, 5150 is what we call it in California when you get forcibly committed to a psychiatric. Yeah, which is a threat to yourself or others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's happened to a lot. That's what happened to Kanye um, after he started speaking out of turn in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like there's a lot of. I feel like effort in the kind of mainstream media to uh, take a compassionate kind of approach i mean there's like the tmz approach like haha like look at this loser yeah but uh then and people kind of laughing at it like ooh, he's naked but there was a lot of people being like this just shows like mental health is important and stuff Mm -hmm. and i I even read comments because there were a lot of retrospectives this like in the last few months on the 10th anniversary and like the new york times i think i noted one said like New York Times simping 10 years later mm-hmm. where they were like, actually it was like quite useful and they did have an impact or something like that. But I feel like maybe somebody was interviewed and they said, oh, the, this literally happens to like all famous people that, you know, get overwhelmed by like a tsunami of public attention and stuff. It's almost like you, you could set your watch to this. It happens all the time. It's like, well, like, no, it happened to like Britney Spears and like Amanda Bynes and like this guy. I mean, and like, but also I feel like Britney Spears and Amanda Bynes were different. First of all, it wasn't like in the course of 10 days. Second of all, like if Britney Spears or Amanda Bynes did anything like that, they didn't do that. They didn't like they, I mean, what they did was like, you know, TMZ bait, but I just imagine if they had done what Jason Russell did. That's true. The naked part, really. The naked part is a big part, yeah. 
and I mean, and, like, what did Britney Spears do? Shave her head? Like, you know. Also, Britney Spears, like, to, in her defense, was not like standing up for like some kind of cause and kind of making this big posture. Like, it's really not about me, but it yeah, really and looks she like was also, you know, them. as we all know, she was being victimized by her conservatorship and everything. And you well, know, I'm gonna uh, get back to that too. And Amanda like, Bynes wasn't she like on uh, drugs too? Like, that's different. You know, if you were on like no, PCP, then that would make much more sense about how it was behaving. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think mean, there, there were drugs involved, but like in his case he claims no drugs no alcohol nothing like that involved and he didn't have a history of psychiatric problems at all or anything like that this just sort of burst out because of the mega attention that you know the you could say that he shone a light on himself and then had to like suffer the consequences of that because the light was like too bright but i mean I kind of bring up like Amanda Bynes or Britney Spears because I do believe that they were likely victims of abuse in like their teenage years, like in yeah Hollywood, you know, Dan Schneider and all that stuff. And as we'll probably get to closer to the end, um, so is Jason Russell in his own kind of way. And so I think there is a lot of complicated psychology going on there, but I don't know if anybody has ever like scored a harder own goal on their own kind of like endeavor than kind of this guy of like not only kind of take like taking down the entire mimetic complex that admittedly was very big and very powerful, but to almost like, it's almost like he controlled demoed it in like a fucked up way. Like Mm -hmm. uh, even though he, you know, he claims that that obviously like the, none of this was conscious and that he basically, he vaguely remembers all of it like he, right, he mostly yeah. does not remember like he went into a, a kind of a, a trance i mean the way he described it which is i think interesting in light of the uh like context is basically he really made it sound like he was possessed like especially in one yeah. interview i think the one with oprah he just like straight yes. up spoke about it like in very explicitly in those terms he said that like something took him over or like entered him right like it was yeah. you know not ambiguous like you know we're not just doing well, the thing exactly. where it's like everything's gin like literally like that's what he was saying <laughs> no like, but like yeah. i and we're gonna get into an aspect of it that's like i mean we're not we're by no means the first people to hypothesize that um engaging in a kind of very visible mimetic warfare against somebody in africa that has such a big reputation among followers and foes alike for his like extreme witchcraft powers mm-hmm. it some people have got appointed at like hmm and then what happened like 10 days later like you get possessed by demons and go insane interesting yeah. <laughs> but you know but hold on i think that it's interesting to talk about like what he says his experience was like leading up to this episode because it just had it has some intriguing elements to it so i think i'll read from I think it was the Guardian interview he gave in 2013 where they kind of talk about, you know, what happened to him like immediately after the release of Coney 2012 Mm -hmm. that, you know, immediately became, I guess, it hit a million views in one day, six days, it had a hundred million views and it became the most viral video of all time. So uh, the journalist writes, every news outlet on the planet, it seemed, wanted an interview with him. Every news website in the world carried a story on him. Every blogger had an opinion on him. More than a million people left a comment about it on YouTube. On Facebook, 11 million people clicked on share. 
Ten days later, he ripped his clothes off his back, ran out naked into the street near his San Diego home, slammed his hands repeatedly on the pavement, battered himself against parked cars, and screamed obscenities until he was eventually led away by police. This, too, became a viral video. His doctors never agreed on a definitive diagnosis, but he was sectioned in a psychiatric hospital, suffering from what may have been a schizophrenic manic episode brought on by post-traumatic stress. It was nearly two months before he went home to his family. He is still on mood-stabilizing medication. So... Coney 2012 was both ubiquitous and, for all sorts of reasons, extraordinary. It wasn't a two-minute video of a cat falling in a toilet or a baby laughing. It was about an obscure region far away and the importance of pursuing international justice and Jason Russell, and it provoked an extraordinary response. This is a great 2012 line. Quote, uh, the only way a video could get more viral is if Susan Boyle and the cat bin lady teamed <laughs> up to eat shit out of one cup, said Charlie Brooker. <laughs> Wow. That's the most 2012 sentence Yeah, that's ever. incredibly, yeah, that's incredibly Susan, Bo- I haven't thought about Susan Boyle yeah, or oh Two Girls, God. One Cup. I don't even know who yeah, Captain Lady is. Yeah, I completely is. forgot about Two Girls, One Cup. I honestly feel like I had more, like, of a memory of Susan Boyle, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, he also said, it looks like a T-Mobile advertisement shot by the Pepsi Max Pricks with a charismatic frontman who looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch version of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, and mm. he says this was probably one of the more moderate views a year on the Abercrombie the Abercrombie and Fitch version of Jesus Christ is looking tanned and healthy in his office in San Diego but he eyes me with a certain wariness last autumn he went on Oprah Winfrey's show and NBC's Today and spoke about what happened to him but not in this detail at this length so Russell says, quote, on the one hand, there was Bono saying Jason Russell deserves an Oscar and Oprah wants to fill stadiums for me. And Ryan Seacrest wants me an American Idol, he says. And <laughs> on the other, there are people saying these people think they're white saviors trying to save Africa and the money goes to corrupt places. And there is a special place in hell for you. They were so polar opposite, so extreme. And in my head, I wanted to reconcile them and I just couldn't. For a week, he did interview after interview, and it was only when he was in the office of a crisis management agency in New York, days in, he says, that he first realized the true force of the backlash. Quote, my head was spinning with all the stuff we need to do in the future. And Ben Kesey, the Invisible Children CEO, was saying, no, Jason, we've got to work out what to do with, uh, about the negative press. And it was only then that I realized what was happening when I opened up my laptop and the first article I read was all these terrible things. Jason Russell, white savior complex, military intervention, (laughs) dubious finances, blonde, yada, yada, yada. And suddenly it was wham. And I was right back in junior high. He talked earlier about how he was like a suicidal, like kid didn't have friends in junior high. uh, Yeah. That's another thing where it's like, uh, yeah, he sort of said, like, when Jacob was talking about how he, you know, just wanted to die because of what it was like to be kidnapped by the Lord's Resistance Army. And he was like, I emphasize that because I was also suicidal in high school. And, like, we can speculate about the reasons why he might have felt suicidal. But, like, well, yeah, no matter and- what... I don't think that, like, I think it's outrageous, like, to compare the two. Well, also, um, yeah, claiming kind of PTSD. I don't know if he was claiming PTSD, like, from the Coney backlash. That would be a little bit uh, much uh, yeah. if, if it was. But anyways, uh, here we get an interesting uh, tidbit. Russell's parents founded a national organization called Christian Youth Theater, and he spent his childhood as, quote, the Tin Man, Mr. Toad, Peter Pan. He loved musical theater, and his best friend was a girl, Danica, whom he met age seven and went on to marry. Okay. Um, and for all these reasons, he found himself bullied at school. 
quote, you think you're an adult and you're past such things and it turns out you're not. You can be taken back there in an instant. Okay, so he's like talking about bullying. Yeah. Basically. Okay. I, so like in, I, people need to, I mean, I understand that like the past shapes us in many ways, but like when people are just like, you know, I, it reminds me of like Joss Whedon when he was like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so why did you like abuse all of your actors and uh, like actresses? You know, why did you have all these affairs? Like, why were you like a tyrannical, like, you know, uh, exploitative showrunner? And he was like, well, in high school, no girls wanted to talk to me. It's like, dude, like it's you're 40, whatever. Like, stop it. It's just like, you know, uh, I don't know. I get it. Like, I get yeah. people have baggage, but like, like, you know, you got to get over. It. And I'm pretty but. sure like, his parents and grandparents were TV writers. So it's like shut the fuck up and like, <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah i mean and also like the problem with this is not like like you you should like listen to the actual like criticism like it's not just that like you know things that aren't under, under his control like i don't know that he is best friends with his wife which i think is actually not yeah i mean i agree that he should not be bullied for that like that's you know uh good and like what one would expect but like um yeah, the, like he this loved was musical people theater. criticizing him. Yeah, or for loving musical theater. Yeah, his um, best friend was a girl, and he loved musical theater. So yeah, but people that. at this point were criticizing him for like blowing the trumpet for like a you know boots on the ground in Uganda, <laughs> and like Very literally different. being upset Very that different. like you know the neocons weren't aggressive enough about going to war in Uganda to like chase down someone who wasn't even there. Um, honestly this gives me such vibes of the the woman who was just briefly like the disinformation disinformation czar in the biden administration who just quit Mm -hmm. and was like i've like undergone ptsd uh, the mary poppins thing (laughs) yeah 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 exactly Uh uh-huh um Um, yeah so okay so yeah see another musical like a disney adult like put him in a position of power like allow them to conduct foreign policy and it's a nightmare yeah i mean theater kid there that's a i think that's a different variety of theater kid as a theater kid expert um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i think that that's a different variety of theater kid that's like the um this is a very specific kind of like christian evangelical theater kid no Um, true true you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, fair but, enough. But they both, they both love Disney. Um, yes, true. It, I mean, they, yes. They, I mean. Yeah, everybody loves Disney. Um, a, lot, m- well, a good portion of theater kids, I'd say, do. Um, you know, it's yeah, exactly. musicals. They love so, musicals okay. for yeah, so moving on here. In 2003, at the age of 24, after graduating film school at USC. Okay, so he's a USC film grand. Also, hey, he has USC vibes. He traveled, you know, like he traveled with two friends to Uganda to find a subject to make a film about. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just randomly go to Africa right when we, he says they went right as like across AOC while he was there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, God, maybe. Well, yeah. Um, Yeah. And he said they landed like right when the Iraq war started and it's like they hadn't even thought about it. It It's like, oh, crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. So in the town of Gulu, they discovered thousands of children who spent every night sleeping en masse in the streets because of their fear of being abducted and drafted into Coney's LRA. So their response was to form a charity called Invisible Children, for whom he has worked ever since with the aim of trying to bring Coney to justice. But nothing in Jason Russell's life had prepared him for the sharp end of the Internet. Quote, I'm a glass half full or overflowing kind of person, he says at one point. I've never been depressed. They thought it might be bipolar, but my wife and my mom are like, that's just not you. I don't get down. 
He'd never experienced any form of mental illness, or at least he hadn't until the World Wide Web turned its hell dogs upon him. His hell Could dogs. anyone have withstood the pressure that Russell was under? Quote, my doctors say there are very few people who have been that unknown and then that famous and who are then ripped to shreds. So, yeah, he's saying it's like, oh, it's natural this happened. Um, when I ask him if he's processed what happened to him and what effect it's had on his life, he says, I don't know if I have processed it. I still... There are days when I think that was a total failure, that it was the worst thing that could have happened, that I let everybody down. And there are others when I think we did what we wanted to do. We set out to make Joseph Coney known, and now he is. <laughs> so I can't... But the problem is that my breakdown puts such a blanket of fear and distrust and shame over everything. There's something I deal with every day. Or, as Vice Magazine reported it, those who live by slick viral videos can die by them too. A few days previously, it had cautioned its readers not to give money to invisible children because of its, quote, dubious finances, end quote, exaggerated claims, adding that it was, quote, staffed by douchebags. Okay, Vice. Uh -huh, yes, Inter uh -huh. Interesting. Why does Vice, Vice loves intervening in Africa? What are they? Hmm, interesting. Well, uh, different faction, perhaps? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if Russell had had a heart attack, you know, brought on by extreme it's, stress it might have been a different story a, it's like uh there's not room in this town for the both of us you know like they were <laughs> crowding up africa you know they were yeah and they, they were like, yeah they wanted africa to do clicks, something else like the yeah. vices like the skaters and invisible children of the theater kids you're distracting from libya yeah guns. like yeah. yeah yeah shane smith was in libya around this time like mm -hmm. hey obama like, give this kid more guns you know, and shit like that. So they were, maybe right. they thought, yeah, this is a distraction from the Arab Spring and these weird Christians are trying to get everybody to focus on Uganda or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they say, you know, people who rip their clothes off in the street, unlike a heart attack, you know, um, uh, they don't, you know, get as much uh, sympathy as, you know, somebody who rips their clothes off. And, um, and, Blah, blah, blah. And you know, so everybody thought he was a douchebag and they seemed to prove it. It was just so public, says Russell. The visual of the video is so compelling. It's so obvious that I'm not okay. And I'm so naked. And it's just very, very public. The joke we always had, even before this happened, is that the internet is forever. If you put your crotch on there, it's forever. And now this is out there forever and my kids are going to have to deal with it at high school. The thing that sucks the most is that it gives people an excuse not to do anything. People are like, didn't that filmmaker take all the money and then go crazy naked in the street? Well, he says Russell didn't embezzle any money. Yeah. Invisible Children has five years worth of audited accounts and received four out of five stars for its financial health from Charity Navigator. It spends upwards of 80% of its budget on its programs and services, says Charity Navigator. Um and I guess they, yeah, they right. got rated they two like, out of five on something. We, we spend this like on quote unquote our mission. Like they they released like some document where it was like uh, actually eighty five percent of our money goes to out quote unquote our mission, which is like incredibly vague, but whatever. I mean, yeah, you which know. is really like providing supplemental support to like the U.S. military mission. Yeah, <laughs> like Mussolini's like forces, but. Anyway, so actually the there's an interesting part here about kind of like what was going on in the day to day, like as Coney blew up. And then this is where things start to get a little crazy. So the writer says, when I visited Invisible Children's San Diego office last week, 2013, there were 60 staff members and 35 fresh faced interns answering phones and plugged into computers in a cool, calm space. A year ago, says Chris Carver, the chief operations officer, it was another story. 
He says, we had one PR person, Monica, who was an intern, a volunteer. She estimated there were never less than 4,000 emails in her inbox. In any one second, our website had 37,000 unique users, and we were taking hundreds of thousands of dollars of orders in our shop for the Kony 2012 kits. These were the action kits that viewers of the video were urged to buy to raise awareness of Kony. Quote, even though we knew we might never have this opportunity again, we had to shut it off. We had two people in our fulfillment department, and they could ramp up to maybe 100 orders a day, and we literally had hundreds of thousands of them. The kit included a red T-shirt with the words <laughs> Coney 2012 on it, but incredibly, we maxed out, says Carver. What do you mean, I ask? He says, we sourced every single red T-shirt in the entire U.S. There were no more to buy. Damn. Wow. Where did all those go, by the way? Like, where I've never seen a Coney 2012 shirt in the wild oh yeah um, it's funny yeah no one wears their collectors items. Like, yeah I, I don't know yeah i bet you could find one on ebay i'm gonna look now you probably I, could yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyways so yeah it gets worse for them the website had been stress tested to cope with an oprah appearance a year or so previously interesting so he went on oprah before 2012 interesting mm. why oprah's up to something the phone system crashed. The only way we could communicate with the outside world was a Tumblr site. LOL. So all the stuff about our financials, our five years of audited accounts, the detail of our programs, the 11 schools we built, the thousands of scholarships we paid for, the early warning radio system we built, none of that great. was up there. Yeah, yeah right? People yeah. wanted answers. They needed context. We had nine years worth of it. We just couldn't get it to them. Uh, he says, you can, you can stress test a website. You can't stress test a person. There's footage in a film, Invisible Children released last autumn, of Russell shortly before his breakdown. It's late at night. He's just got in from New York, and he's visibly upset. There's never been a war like this online, ever, he says in the footage. This is what they do to you. My anxiety, my fear, is that it's all in my head. I wanted it, he says later in the footage. I just didn't know what it would feel like. And he starts to cry. The details of what happened next are pretty terrifying. I hadn't slept, he tells me. My mind was racing. I tried to relax and calm down. They said, take two days off. So we, his family, went to Palm Springs. But we went to the pool and people recognized us and wanted to take photographs. So we went and shut ourselves in the hotel room, closed all the windows and the doors, and just felt we were under attack. The next day was a bit better. We went out to see a movie, The Lorax, a Dr. Seuss film. Oh, God. And I th this is weird. Yeah. And I thought it was talking directly to me. I thought it was all about me. The character is wearing a stripy top like the one Gavin is wearing in the film. And I was like, that's so weird. And the character um. is trying to protect these trees. And I thought it was me. And the trees were, were, were Rwandans. I don't know why they're Rwandans. Rwandans? I guess maybe had Coney sort of fled to Rwanda as well. I forget. But okay. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Back no, at home. I definitely don't think that he had gone to Rwanda. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I didn't think so either. But back at home, Danica had realized something was very wrong and had surreptitiously started to research symptoms on the internet. Quote, but I called up this friend, Bobby, and he came around and I said to him that I wanted him to line up all the books on my shelf and make sense of them chronologically so that we could determine the future of humanity. That's where my brain was. I thought we'd analyze the books and we'd come up with the answer of what the world needs to do next. I thought I'm the one who's going to help put it all together. And then it was shortly after that I heard the voice. The voice told him that he had to get to New York in 12 hours or Joseph Coney would win. And it said everyone <laughs> who had tried to bring peace to the world has had to pass this test. And then he took his clothes off and ran out into the street. 
He could only remember, quote, slivers of what happened next. So he got the dragged horror, Jerusalem syndrome, like, kind of, like, but, like, naked Jerusalem syndrome. Chameleo, like, V2K. Like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, uh, like, so yeah, the, the voice. The, all, yeah, I... I'll just finish here. The, yeah, definitely. The horror on his mother's face when he was handcuffed and led away. Danica had rushed out of the house with the children and called his parents. He was taken to the hospital. But I thought the staff wanted to kill me. I was convinced. They kept trying to give me drugs and I refused to take them. It got to the point where I was running around in my underwear, kicking in doors. I had eight people holding me down. They eventually tied my arms and legs down to this bed and injected me. It was incredibly traumatizing. I was convinced I was going to die. He's so open about all this. My publicist and the team, they say, don't use words like schizophrenic. You'll get labeled for life. But I'm like, I can only be myself. I might as well get it out there. At the height of the criticism, he was accused of running a cult, of embezzling funds, of running a covert evangelical mission. He was a narcissist, a megalomaniac, a racist, warmongering blowhard suffering from what one Twitter commentator called part of the white savior industrial complex. Uh, I'll true um yeah, yeah yeah but i guess the this writer is charmed because he says okay. yet what's most apparent on meeting russell is an almost complete lack of guile he spills his guts for hours and then right at the end he says you're not going to turn this around and make this all about my spirituality and the fact that i'm a christian are you hmm. at the height of the maelstrom he took a call from a journalist and spoke to him for an hour and a half between 4 and 5 30 a.m and then he wrote this awful expose for The Atlantic about how we were an evangelical cult. I'm incredibly open. It's just who I am. But I'm not sure I could handle being hurt and vulnerable like that again. And yet he has invited me into the office after six months worth of emails, it's true, and shows me things that if I was a different sort of journalist, I could so easily manipulate and exploit. There was an artlessness and innocence about him still, even after everything that has happened. Yeah. I so, uh, read hmm. that Atlantic article and it was not about how they were a cult, really. It was just about like, you know, the obvious evangelical influence and like actual like investment in uh, this and like their connections with like the fellowship and everything and like the whole yeah. phenomenon of like the emerging church. And like, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the article where like you actually could see some of the like the whole story was like, oh, they are Christian, period, when, like, that's not really the issue. I mean, they did get a little bit into it, but, like, they were like, he's targeting you. He wants to convert you, and it's like, well, then just don't convert. Like, actually, they, they, there's, like, a line where it's like, they're not targeting Africa. They're targeting you. It's like, no, they're, they're targeting Africa, um, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, they want Africa to be targeted. I, I mean, I do think that they do see those things as being linked, and they do, like, you know, this, this, uh, spiritual battle is being waged in the United States as well, but I think that the bigger story is, or at least the story is not complete, without considering like how you know the effect on on africa rather than being like oh my god they're trying to make people evangelical christians like in the united states like you know this is like a very fucked up like uh, ongoing crusade like in in africa in many ways but yeah, yeah anyway like but which, i uh, yeah like yeah but so I, much I mean of i agree not explained i i agree that like he is not guileful i wouldn't describe him i i think that the description of him as guileless is not totally inaccurate like i think that he is actually naive and like i i don't think that he was like willfully malicious or something i think that he was kind of yeah he you feels know, like that uh, in, in a certain young, kind of way like wanting to kind of be famous like yeah caught up which in made him a perfect millennial kind of role model to sort of roll out 
you yeah. know, this like wants to save the world, but also like be famous. Like he's, you know, that that's a very big phenomenon now, yes. you know, people blending those two things, like their social activism and their celebrity. Um, I mean, now it's like spread so far beyond. He's really almost like a pioneer in terms of like an activist influencer on social media that becomes famous primarily for that but also like his whole lifestyle and his vibe is just ugh i mean i ultimately like i hate it but you know <laughs> another interesting thing kind of tying to what you said um in terms of them like targeting africa in this guardian article the writer says you know 7 months ago because he talks about how how much it got shot on and all these people were mm -hmm. like you know this is taking up rhetorical space that could be used to develop more intelligent advocacy the white savior complex whatever but he says and yet seven months ago while i was researching another story about central africa the tale of david simpson the britain charged with a massacre that was actually carried out by coney's forces that's weird i spoke to the leading experts in the region and having read the coverage of Coney 2012, the debate about invisible children's methods, the criticism of their simplistic approach, what surprised me was how the development professionals working closest to the ground in Central Africa were full of praise for what they'd achieved. Annika von Wudenberg, for example, from Human Rights Watch, said they'd been astounded by the popularity of the video. Whatever one thought of it, it massively, massively raised awareness of Kony. And awareness is step one in pushing for policy change. We found so much more interest from a whole range of policymakers. I've been working in Central Africa for 13 years. I've been documenting L LRA atrocities since 2006, and Human Rights Watch has been doing it since the late 90s. There have been peaks and troughs, but we have never seen the kind of interest that Kony 2012 created. It was very, very exciting. There has been so much engagement from the UN. They've passed resolutions. The U.S. was the audience for the video. Oh, there you go. And they've said they will keep their field advisors here, which was by no means clear before. The time limit has been lifted. <laughs> There's still a long way to go, but the criticism of the video, which was so scathing and vitriolic, and which focused on invisible children, has just completely missed the point. Kony is still out there, but the implementation of UN strategy is the thing that will make a difference, and it achieved that. And then there was Mark Galloway of International Broadcasting Trust, which published a report on the impact of Coney 2012 and held a symposium on it, and whose conclusion was, quote, that the way in which charities communicate has to change in the wake of it. It was, he said, a, quote, game changer for all of us to hear about it from our kids. That's how I heard about it from my teenage son, 48 hours in. It was like, how come you've heard about a Coney video, and I haven't, and it's my job, and I haven't ever heard you talk about Africa before? They reached young people in a way no charity has been able to do before. They connected to people's stories. It wasn't snazzy or trendy. It was just good old-fashioned storytelling. Huh. Okay. Um, so, like, the sussest people, like, skulking around Africa doing weird development work. Yes, and I also it. feel like there was a ton of criticism from people who had worked on Africa, like, their whole lives. Of, oh, yeah. Like, that was, yeah. those were the loudest people who were critical of it. Like, that is a misrepresentation, I think. Um, I mean, people will acknowledge that maybe, like, they did some things that, like, are good, as, like, often, you know, these types of things do. Like, they often, you know, uh, there's often, like, good things involved, but the bad generally, like, outweighs the good in a lot of cases. Uh, Absolutely. Human Human Rights Watch, um, sus. I don't know what Annika Vaughn... 
whatever the fuck, Annika von Wudenberg, but as uh, as Jimmy Fallon Gong says, like never trust a German with Vaughn in their name, uh-huh. you know, basically. So <laughs> I'm going to assume that they have some kind of like Euro chauvinist idea. I love how kind of pissy uh, both the people he talked to are about how about the criticism of it. And like, you just don't get it. And like these haters, like don't, they miss the point. Like they don't know what they're talking about. And, but like, they must know as people who work on the ground that like Coney is heavily depleted and he's like not in Uganda anymore and stuff. But you could tell that, uh, you know, Annika's uh, favorite thing about Coney is that the U.S. was the audience for the video, and they've said they'll keep their field advisors here, which was by no means clear before. The time limit has been lifted. So as far as she, as far as Human Rights Watch is concerned, having like U.S. military special forces in Uganda, even though Joseph Kony's like not in Uganda, is really important and needs to, like, is a great achievement of Kony 2012, which makes me think what are you all really after? <laughs> like mm-hmm. what? Cause it doesn't seem to be, I think it might seem obvious by now, but it doesn't seem to be actually that like catching Coney is the real priority here, which, you know, sorry, spoiler alert, everybody. He's still out there in 2022, allegedly. Right. Yeah. In fact, the state department, the state department just released like a $5 million bounty in February for information leading to his arrest. And I think that was, let me see, of the Central African Republic Embassy, where I guess they think he might be hanging out or he's in South Sudan, up to $5 million. So, like, that's the funny thing about, like, maybe he hasn't done tons of attacks in the last 10 years, but he already wasn't doing many attacks for, like, the six or seven years leading up to Kony 2012. Really, mm-hmm. after he left Uganda, he was deeply weakened. So these people seem so satisfied with themselves that they got U.S. military people to stay in Uganda for a while. Yes. And I think they maybe they finally left maybe around 2015. The Uganda, Uganda government announced that, like, Joseph Kony no longer posed a security threat to Uganda. And yes, so, absolutely not. So... It, it does beg the question of like, well, yeah, like what forces were really benefiting from this? Because it is true. It does seem to be true that be, like the one thing Coney 2012 did accomplish was it kicked up enough of a shitstorm of publicity that all of these like sus senators and Congress people all got together and passed some kind of resolution or actually I don't even know if they passed a new resolution. I think they did pass something that Obama signed into law that is like, we are going to uh, send, you know, a small number of advisors. Yeah. Wasn't that earlier that wasn't that like in 2011 that they did well, that? I guess had, that's the thing. He had started doing yeah. it, which is why yeah. weirdly like a in, in the film they're like, yeah, they're already doing, but they're going to leave if we don't make Coney famous. And then, in that sense, I guess they made Coney famous, which yeah. manufactured a reason to like keep these special forces in the heart of Africa longer, which is going on at the same time as the expansion of AFRICOM, you know, the U.S. military force, like going all across the continent. And then not that long after Coney 2012, you had like Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab was already doing stuff around that time as well. Yeah. We had our whole drone war in Somalia and then shit started to spread in other countries and obviously Libya was happening during this time. 
So like America was getting the U.S. was getting way more involved actively in African geopolitics around this time. And yes. like looking, it seems like in looking fact, for Africa, all kinds of excuses. Uganda in particular had just discovered like huge oil deposits. That's right? right. Like on the, you know, <laughs> just on like the most basic level. There is a Ugandan journalist who pointed that out. Uh, let me see if I can. Ugandan journalist Angelo Izama. Izama says there's a crucial natural resource angle that's being overlooked, pointing out that Uganda recently discovered significant deposits of oil near its border with the Democratic Republic of Congo. This is the one game changer in the history of the conflict in that region, Izama said. He said joint military operations are increasingly concentrated in the oil-rich area. One of my issues with Invisible Children is that by providing such a truncated vision and an unreal one of what's happening today in our area right now, they missed the opportunity to cast this in a much broader and much more significant terms. Izama pointed out that the Ugandan military, which the Obama administration legally committed itself to assisting one year after the oil discovery, has been increasing its oil-related security operations. For Uganda, what year was this? I'm not sure what year they discovered uh, the oil, but I think it probably was. I think Obama committed to it like in 2010 or 2011. Um, okay, that would that would line up with the the act that I read earlier, where you notice that Obama said in that act that was made before that was passed before Coney twenty twelve that you know hunting down Coney and providing military assistance to Uganda was in the U.S. national interest. So it's like weird that they're acting in the movie that like oh wow like nobody like Uganda's not in the national interest because they kind of. They don't really make an argument in Coney 2012 that it is in the national interest. They're making a sentimental, moral argument that he's a bad man and we need to stop him. Yes, that's the really the crux of Star Wars bad guy um, that we must (laughs) go fight. Yeah, but Um, like Obama himself has like said, you know, in writing that this like you know helping out the Ugandan military to hunt down Coney and probably to do other things is in the U.S. national interest. So it's like they're they're kind of hiding that a little bit, even yes. though they're both bragging about it, but kind of like disconnecting it from it's so infuriating. Like It's such yeah. I feel like like this type of thinking has like poisoned the brains of like so many millennials into mm-hmm. like politics works when like you lift up your voice and shine a light and say <laughs> no more BS and like. Meanwhile, like all the the power moves that are going on under the not even that far under the surface, just don't get noticed by like massive amounts of people. Yeah. So it's shitty. But yeah, it's it definitely seems like I mean, God, yeah, we could do a whole thing on like the Congo and the the wars that were there, which Uganda, you know, participated, you know, uh, in in like the 90s and the grab for resources there. Like, I don't think it's coincidental at all that all of the countries of, like, Central African Republic and Democratic Republic of the Congo are kept in such a state of, like, chaos and and weakness Mm -hmm. because it has all, like, the cobalt and all of, like, the precious rare earth minerals Mm -hmm. that we all use in our cell phones and technology and, like, lithium and all kinds of other shit. And then these international, bigger international powers often like I, I wonder with the whole Coney situation you know because I think a lot of time these like crazy groups like the LRA sometimes get enlisted by shadowy demon forces abroad that want to get in on either they want to you know take control of a certain area that's full of natural resources 
by force or they just want to create so much chaos that it's like incredibly difficult for anybody to like extract those minerals you know you can kind of deny your geopolitical rival you know easy access to whatever because there's crazy like arm chopping like satanic you know like you know a cult militia running running loose and nobody can stop them and all that shit so yes and i mean it also like again it kind of justifies I mean, it's like an amazing scarecrow or stalking horse for the government. Like, it's valuable to have someone who, I mean, he did still, he was still able to commit atrocities, even with like, you know, 100 people. And the response, like, you know, they did retaliate, like, to, and I mean, really, generally speaking, like, when people become more famous, like, that tends to actually empower them. Like, I think that really figures like Coney, like cult leaders, the more attention they get, yeah. the more powerful they, they often become. But, for sure. you know, I, I think that to sustain the existence of things like that, like it, again, deflects attention from the really equivalent abuses and crimes of, for one, like the United States by extension, and also like the government of Uganda, like the, you know, Museveni government, like which, which also is did all of these things. <laughs> fairly close, which is, is pretty like has a pretty cozy relationship ultimately with the u.s government yes especially in the last like maybe not as much when museveni took power in the 80s but he went through a kind of conversion experience at the hands of of the mysterious group called the family so let's go through all the questions so you because this interview in this interview i would hope you would want to clear it all up yeah were you on drugs at all at the time zero drugs no drugs i don't do drugs if i saw that video though and it wasn't me i'd be like that person's on drugs absolutely i mean i would be i don't care what they say yeah there were all these other rumors too that you were gay yeah, I've heard those rumors. Yeah. <laughs> that you were running in the streets nude and yeah. because you were gay. Well, you know, in the video, I'm snapping my finger up and down, yeah. kind of like this. So, And, you know, I grew up in theater. My parents started a large children's theater organization. So I am, you know, animated. I am theatrical, you know, and that's, that's me by nature. So when you take me, times it by 10, you know, I... I don't know what was in my head, but it was controlling my body and making me do really strange things. But what do you want? I remember me flipping off cars. Flipping off cars? Like with like both hands. Again, it, it really, it's hard to explain if people have never had an out-of-body experience, but it really wasn't me. But I want to be clear, because when you say, that is not me, it's not you as you know yourself to be. Right. But that was you, that was your body, that was you with literally having lost your mind. And I, I really want people to know that I take full responsibility for that. What do those words mean to you? What does that mean? I should have been listening to my loved ones. I should have surrendered Coney 2012 and Invisible Children to the people 
at large that are my colleagues, I should have slowed down, let go. And instead I chose to keep pushing, keep pushing and keep pushing. I remember why I left the backyard. Why? I thought, I have to get to New York in the next 12 hours. And that's what I thought, because I have to stop the war. Some, I ran out to the front, and I think I was trying to ask cars to take me to the airport in my underwear. That's what you think you were doing. Mm -hmm. Your mind is so, so powerful. You know this. It's so strong. Yeah. And if you feed it, you know, if you feed it with this chaotic noise yeah. and everything else, mm -hmm. you lose who you are.